Nice to be back in the tabernacle again this morning. A gracious good morning to you all. And I trust that this will be a great day for us all in uh, the presence of our Lord. And now I um, got a lesson this morning. I want to get right straight to this lesson because it's, uh, I think it's important and it's uh, to keep the crowd from being so... Um, upset, you know, have to stay long, many standing. I'll go right straight into the lesson. Now, tonight I want to speak on the subject of the guide of my life. And I hope that many that can, as many as can be, will be present at that time for tonight. However, if you have a church of your own, we're, uh, of course, we want you to be at, at your church. That's your duty to be there, where your post of duty is to let your light shine. Now, we keep hoping that each time when you come back, we'll have a little more room around here. But we're having difficult with it all everywhere. Them trustee board has certainly dug into everything, and they send it one place, they'll okay it, and send it somewhere else. They veto it and send it back, and they okay it over here and back. Oh, what a time we've had! But. You know, Satan is always a fighter against what's right. Just remember, you're always right about. I was wondering where he's at, Anthony. I didn't see him met your father, and I looked across out in the audience. He said you were sitting there. We are happy to have you and your father here with us, Brother Milano from New York. Uh, hoping going overseas this time to get another spring off out of New York, out there somewhere, the Lord willing. And... Um, so we're very happy for every one of you. Just, just fine for you to be here. And we had a great time last night, or at least I did. I had a, and um, Isaiah in the temple. And so here, uh, and this morning we want to speak on the subject, or teach rather if we can, building the living tabernacle, uh, building the building the living tabernacle of the living God's dwelling place, the perfect man, the living tabernacle of the living God where he dwells. And um, if uh, I understand that they have some this good singing here, and I don't get to hear it. And tonight I'm going to try to get down here. My wife has told me about a brother, Ungren, I believe his name was, from down in, in Tennessee. Uh, he was here last night. I don't see him this morning, but I suppose he's here somewhere. And uh, I'd like to hear him sing tonight, if I can, uh, that either down from his glory 
or how great thou art. I'd like to hear that. How many would like to hear, Brother Elmer? Oh, I, I like good singing. And uh, Meadie said that he had a kind of a baritone, and it reminds me of our Brother Baxter. He's a singer, too, as we all know. And uh, down from his glory are how great thou art. I believe I located him now over on. Would that be all right, Brother Ungren, tonight, if you will? If you stay over. You go stay or try to stay over for the night service? Well, uh, uh, well I'll tell you, how about this? If we, I don't want to cause anybody any friction, but why not then if we would, um, uh, during the time of the seven seals when we preach that, if you'd come, I'd like to tape it off, you see, to get it. Um, how great thou art, and also down from his glory. <laughs> In that time. Oh, isn't it wonderful to serve the Lord? I don't know what I would do if I wasn't a Christian. It's just so good to be a Christian, I just feel like just jumped up and down and screamed on top of my voice. To be a Christian, think of it. All anchored away in Christ. Uh, I know I call this man's name wrong each time. It's either S-T or T-S or something like that. Sumlers, Brother Sumlers. Yeah, I want to thank him and his precious little wife. I think that she spent about, it looked like about six months on typing out this seven church ages, and now we've got it back here typed out, ready for proofing and going into book form, the seven church ages. Sister Summer, wherever you are, surely you'll let us pay you for that. That That's took a lot of work. Why, it's that thick. It would take me about six months to read through it, let alone have to take it off a tape and then turn it around and take the repeats out and make it into a book. We'll get it ready and send it to press right away. For we think it's a thing that the people should have a hold of right now, and you can study it. And uh, Billy was just showing me when I come in back there a few minutes ago that, that, that it, was, um, it was ready now to go to the printer. So, Sister, a tabernacle will pay you for that. I don't expect you to do that for uh, nothing. And, and or either we, uh, if we get the book and have to make a price on it or something, we'll put a price where you get something whenever they sell it, whatever it is. You just talk to the board, the trustee board or some of them there, and they'll take care of it for you. Lord bless you. Real good. Little old brother and sister kids sitting here, somewhat under a hundred, just a little bit. <laughs> and um, I met her a while ago, and she said, well, this will probably be the last time I get to see you, Brother Billy. She said, I'm getting so old. I said, oh, my. <laughs> I don't want to hear you say that. You're just like a little old mother and dad. We love brother and sister kids. We everyone doing it. Just it does something to me when I see them walk in the church and a little old couple like that and just think they were preaching the gospel before I was born and I'm an old man. Yeah. Just think they were preaching before I was born. And here I am now. I get thinking, I'm getting so old, I'm just about thinking about ready to give up. I see brother and sister kid come in, glory to God. I said, oh, I feel fine. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, sir, to see them how they can, how they really inspire you. Then you realize that nearly my age again, and then still going on the field, come down this morning and ask for books, if they could take books and sell them. 
wanted tapes so they could go out and get wind souls by playing these tapes at nearly a hundred years old. Now, where's your two wings we was talking about last night? <laughs> yes. I begin to think about where's mine. <laughs> How old are you, sister kid? I'm 81. 81? How old are you, brother? 81 and 82 years old. And still using their wings in action. Still going. <laughs> Anything gets wrong in Ohio that Sister Kid knows about, the phone rings up home. <laughs> the other day she rang and a little baby, a little girl baby, I believe it was, was born and the bowels on the outside of it. Bladder. On the outside of the baby. And the doctor uh, didn't know what to do about it. And he afraid to undertake the operation. We prayed. Put the bowels back in with an operation and thought it couldn't live, and it did live. No passage. No passage then for, for the, from the rectum for the food to pass through. And Sister Kid called in, offered prayer again, and now it's got a normal passage. <laughs> uh, here she is as a witness, the doctor also. Okay? It's a witness that the Lord Jesus, the great Creator, See what Satan tried to do? Cut that baby's life off. And then, see, then I believe the lady come to the Lord. Come back to the Lord, sister. Kid led her back to Christ after this great miracle happened for her baby. I had a, a call from California yesterday, a little a brother minister out there. And I was with when I first went to California years ago. His little grandson was born with... with uh, Four, three valves closed in its heart. And uh, I told him of that case. And I said, the God that could create this other and make it right can certainly heal your grandson. Just tell the boy to be of a good courage. And the boy was at the meeting when I was first in California about 18 years ago. Now, 16 years ago it has been. And I was in California. And he w the meeting so influenced that boy until... When they got the baby and it was born and they seen there's something wrong, it blew and they tried to pump oxygen to it and so forth, and it wasn't looked like going to survive. And the doctors then give examination and found that three valves was closed up in its heart, no opening at all. See, just uh, just one valve of pumping. And he called his daddy and said, "Daddy, call Brother Branham right at once. Tell him now. Just ask Christ; he'll do it." That's it. Oh my, that influence. What they see. He was spoke of last night. The right thing at the right time. Well, we go on talking. There would get in the lesson, wouldn't we? It's just like molasses on a cold morning. It's just as thick as it can be, you know, and all clinging together. <clears throat> We're very happy to have a fellowship like that. Yes, sir. So now, let's uh, quieten ourselves now and get down to the lesson of going maybe... I don't know whether you can see that or not on the blackboard. Maybe if I turn that up like that in a few moments, while we'll be able to somebody to... No, I say? No, I don't think so right now, Doc. Just maybe in a little bit. Well, we we do that when we get... Uh, you got a spot here? All right. Let's just turn it right on. Can you see way back there? Can you 
If you can see, raise up your hands. You can see that blackboard. Read that on there. No. All right. Get the spot. Now, while they're making ready for that, uh, I'm getting started late this morning. Or no, uh, no, uh, about 15 minutes early. And so then, we'll just take our time now because we don't want to get in a hurry. Uh, when you get in a hurry, then you just ruin the things you were going to say. Now, I was listening to that tape the other day, as I told you, and I got so ashamed of myself. Not what I was saying, but the way I was saying it. Too fast. And it's just a nervous uh, pitch. Yeah, I feel like waiting. At, uh, I just seen the other day where they was going to build a big zoo here in the middle of Louisville. And Mr. Brown, I believe it was over there, offered um, $1 million towards the zoo. Well, if I had it, I'd almost give him that to turn them animals loose. I, I don't believe in caging anything up like that. I just I look at the zoo and see them poor old animals, bears and lions and things, walking back and forth, prison for life, you see. makes you feel bad. After all, they're, they're captured by the intelligence of a man who's smarter than they are, see. And they capture them and put them in captivity. Now think about the devil does that. He takes precious people who should roam God's great places and fields and, and things like that, and then put him in a prison house of some denomination or some creed or something and bind him up in there. Right. And what a horrible thing it is. And I, I don't like zoos, but I feel something like one of those animals when you're all caged up and you're just trying to get loose you know, to, to get out to do something. Now, before we approach the Word... Let's approach the author of the word as we bow our heads out in prayer. A gracious heavenly Father, we have assembled this morning again in the name of the Lord Jesus, thy precious Son. God incarnate came to the earth for the propitiation of our sins and died the righteous that we, by his righteous being unrighteous, may be made perfect in him. We come confessing that we are unworthy, Lord. There is nothing good about us, and we're all in one big jailhouse. No matter what corner we stand in, we're still all in jail. One cannot help the other. But God, in His infinite mercy, came down and opened the prison doors to set us free. We're no longer caged up now. We are not in the zoo of the world. But now we are free. We're outside. Oh, how we love Him and adore Him. How we can walk through the great fields of His promise and see Him made manifest before us and by our own eyes. See the great God of eternity unfold himself before us and make himself real like he did to the prophets of old, knowing this, that they rest with an assurance that someday we will again be restored back after this life is over on the resurrection unto an eternal life that shall never fade. Our bodies will not get old. And we'll never die. Amen. And we'll never be hungry. And we'll never have a want. Amen. 
but we shall walk with Him. We want to hear Him say, Enter into the joys of the Lord that's been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Back before sin entered in. How He had the preparation made like for Adam and Eve that they'd never have to be sick or have a trouble. And now He prepared it for us. And He foreknew we were coming. Sin made the great blockade. And now sin's been tucked away by the blood of Jesus. Now we're bound for the promised land by the promise of God which is eternal. Bless us now, Father, as we study thy word. We want to know what kind of people we must be in order to be there. Help us today in this school that we might have the great master teacher with us, the Holy Spirit, that would come down and reveal himself to us. By his word. For we ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen. Now, first, I would like for you to turn with me to Second Peter, uh, the first chapter. And I want to read a portion of this scripture. Second Peter, the first chapter. And now to you that's got uh, your pencils and paper, and I believe I was told this morning that, that sometime turning my head away from there dims the taste. I really don't mean to do that, and I believe sometime if we'd figure on getting a, a web mic and hang it on the ceiling here, no matter where you'd be then, you'd be right, it'd be perfect just all around, just a mic above the ceiling. And now, as while I'm talking, and if you, after service or want to, can sketch off this skeleton here, then I'll also have it typed out here. I'll take a tack and put it on the front here if you'd like to do it sometime. Come in a little early this afternoon so that we would understand. Now we are approaching the seven seals. We have just finished the seven church ages, and this is a message on teaching that ties the man in that's going to be redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus, and it's going to be in that church age, that eternal church age, at the end of the seals. Now we know that we have seven trumpets, seven plagues, vials, and so forth that we get into as we go along, but we're waiting for more room so the people can be seated. Now, and I thought this would tie in just where I was expecting. I didn't expect to draw this skeleton, but the other day I was with some precious friends of mine, uh, Coxes down in Kentucky. And I went down thought maybe get in one more day of squirrel hunting before the season closed. And I was up in the woods with my friend Charlie standing there, and Rodney, his brother. I didn't even see a squirrel. I think I scared them all away <laughs> when I got the shouting up there in the woods. And this is what come to me, boys, and, and Sister Nellie and Margie. Uh, when I told you, I'd tell you Sunday when I got to it. That's what come to me on a message I was going to speak on, and how the rest of it tied right into it. 
And oh, I like to have a, a real, real uh, spirit of shouting up there in the woods. So now, let us read now First Peter, or Second Peter rather, the first chapter, portion of it. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I like the way that's stated right there. Because my whole subject this morning is based on faith. See? Let me read that again. Listen close. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of God our Savior and Jesus Christ. Notice, he is saying that I have obtained this faith and I'm addressing this to them that has obtained the like precious faith. I want, it's not to the outside world. This is to the church. See? Those that are in Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and through uh, of Jesus Christ our Lord, according as His divine power has given unto us all things, His divine power now has given unto us all things Amen. that pertain unto life, godliness, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are we given unto, given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, these promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature. I'll let that soak real deep now. Not preaching this morning. We're just teaching this lesson. Divine nature. Let me read that fourth verse again now so you won't miss it. Whereby we are given, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, these promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature. Nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, the world, we've escaped that. Now, he's addressing this to the church. That's why we're here this morning, is to find out what is the way, what is God's requirements. There's not a person in here that loves God but wants to, be, wants to become more like Christ. Now, it's laid out here. Every Christian, I'm an old veteran. Look at brother and sister kid here. They're probably the oldest in the building. But if I'd ask them, what is your heart's desire? It'd be closer to God. When you learn of Christ, there's something about Him that's so loving, you just try to get right into Him. Excuse this expression. I told my wife here not long ago, she both getting old, and I said to her, I said, do you love me like you used to? She said, I certainly do. 
And I said, you know, I love you so much till I would like to take you and pull you inside of me so we could just be really be one. <laughs> now that, multiply that by a hundred million. And then you'll find out how that the believer who falls in love with Christ wants to get into him because it's a love. And here he's going to show us how that through these promises we might be partakers of Christ's divine nature. These mortal bodies. How that we can be partakers. I might say something here. The reason I believe uh, someone got me all wrong, you know, oh Lord, I got a letter from the Ministerial Association that said that I believe that there was, we were soul-mated and we must leave our companions if we're not soul-mated to them to marry another and that we were soul-mated to. Oh, my! I said, I'm not guilty of a heresy like that. I've always been against that. I, I don't believe in that, and certainly not. I believe that God gives us a mate, that's true. And then we become part of each other. That's right, and before a man gets married, he should think these things over. Study it. A young man asked me the other day, he said, You think I could order to get married, Brother Brand, to such and such a girl? I said, How much do you think of her? He said, Oh, my, I just love her. I said, Well, if you're not going to live without her, you better marry her then. But if you can live without her, you better not. So, but if it's going to kill you, you better, you better go ahead and get married. And so, what I was trying to get to in this, that if you love her so much, now, right now, before you're married, everything's just fine and dandy. But after you get married, then the toils and trials of life come in. That's when you've got to be so in love that you understand one another. When you're disappointed in her, she disappointed in you, you still understand one another. That's the way it is with Christ. See? We've got to be so in love with Him. So when we ask for something and He doesn't give it to us, that doesn't shake us a bit. Okay? See? Why? And the only way you can do that is to become partakers of His divine nature. Then you'll understand the reason He can't give it to you partakers of His divine nature. And look here, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, escaped it. He was to the church. Them who are in Christ has been exalted above these things. Not He exalted Himself, but Christ brought Him up. Uh, to my colored brethren and sisters who are present this morning, I don't mean this to any harm, but is in a meeting some time ago. I don't know where they ever said it in the tabernacle. I've told it many places. There's a colored sister said, uh, Can I have a testimony or testify? Certainly, sister, go right ahead. She says, I want to make this testimony for the glory of God. She said, You know, I, I ain't what I ought to be. And she said, I, I ain't what I want to be. But she said, one day, sure, I ain't what I used to be. <laughs> See? She had come from somewhere she'd been brought up. That's how we know we've passed some death into life. 
We look back to the pit where we was hewed from. See, we're not what we want to be. We're not even what we ought to be. But one thing we're thankful for, we're not what we used to be. <laughs> That's right. We're on the road. <laughs> and having escaped the corruption of the world. Having escaped that. The lust and corruption of the world. You're above that. Now that's, now, that's the type of person that he's talking to. The person that has escaped these things. See? The corruption of the world. And besides this, given all diligence, adding to your faith virtue, and to the virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, he has given us the outline here what to do. Amen. Know how to do it. Now, as I said, we all are trying to come closer to God. That's why I chose this message Amen. this morning for the church, knowing that people are traveling for... Last night I said, how many here out of town? About 98% of the people from out of town. How many is here from 100 miles? What went over, I guess, 80%. How many is here from over 500 miles? And nearly a, a third of the people were here from over 100, 500 miles away. Think of it. Are the people traveling? Well, those people doesn't come to the church like that just to be seen. There's no, there's what the outside world would see any beauty around this place. They're all common people, poor, ordinarily dressed. There's no great uh, anthems uh, from some uh, pretended to be angelic choir pipe organs and some stained glass windows. You have a hard time getting a seat on a bench and stand around the wall. They don't come for such as that, but they come because inside of them is something that sees a beauty that the natural eye doesn't see. It's a spiritual eye that catches the beauty of Christ. That's why they come. So, for days before we have the service, I constantly pray, go to the woods, take in my pocket, tell the wife, I'm going out squirrel hunting this morning. And I put a pencil and a tablet of paper in my pocket. As soon as it gets light enough, to see, I'm sitting up against a tree somewhere, hands up in the air and saying, Lord, what can I do today? What will you give me for your children? Then when I strike something, it seems to burn down, comes something like this. When his presence gets near, I begin to hear something like way off in the distance, something on this order, two times two equal four. Closer, 
Two times two equal four. Two times two equal four. Two times two equal four. On, on, on. Like that. It's his presence coming in. Yield yourself, and after a while you break away from yourself. There comes the vision. Go to such and such a place and such and such a thing. See? Starts off from meditating your mind on God. Out of the world, away from the world, out in the wilderness to yourself. And it starts coming. One, one, I say, uh, any number or anything, just something starts gradually, faintly coming in. Then it comes faster, faster. You sit there and raise up your hands, don't say a word. Just hold your hands in the air. First thing you know, your whole being is caught away. Then you see things that He wants you to know, showing you things that is to come. Sometimes it comes up to a spot until a certain spot and then stops. It doesn't go into a vision. Then scriptures just pour together. I grab my pencil so I won't forget it and write it down. Write it down. I come home and look it over and study it. And sometimes it don't even make sense to me when I'm looking it over. And then after a while, here it is. It strikes and away it goes again. Then I get a little book like this and it starts sketching down just as hard as it can. What he tells me, I thought, Lord, I'm going down to Tabernacle and tell him, I, come on down, I got something for him. <laughs> oh, that's how I come. Exactly. Until first he gives it to me. I cannot give it out. So then, upon these little sketches that you see me looking down upon, and this first I started, I didn't get this part here until just about a day or two ago up in the woods. Now, these people are, are, Peter is saying here, how that we must be partakers of his divine nature. Now, each one of us are trying to grow into the statute of God. Now, after we get through with the seven uh, seals, then at that time of the sounding of the seventh seal or the loosening, of course, we know what a seal is. It's to loose a ministry. To loose seven seals. And we'll see that right on the chart. It's loosing a message. Something is sealed up. Last Sunday night I preached on the key. And the key is faith. The faith holds the key and the key is the Scripture. And Christ is the door. See? So faith takes the little hinges of the Scripture and unlocks the glories and good of God out to His people. See? So it's faith holds the key that unlocks Christ to the people, unlocks it, reveals it. So today we're going to try to take that same key to unlock the way to become a virtuous Christian in the statute of God that and be a living tabernacle for the living God to dwell in. Remember, God reveals Himself in three ways. First time He revealed Himself in a pillar of fire. That was called the fatherhood. Then that same God made manifested in Jesus Christ, which He built a body, made this body. Thirdly, through the death of that body, 
He sanctified a church that he can dwell in. It was God above us, God with us, God in us. The same God. That's the reason it was called Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not three gods, three offices of one God. Amen. They'd only followed that the Nicene Council, we wouldn't have been all messed up, would we? That's right. Not three gods. The people couldn't understand how Jesus talked to the Father and me and the Father are one. Oh, there's a whole thing in it. Sure, it just unfolds it, certainly. See, it's not three gods, three offices. Three ma- what is it? God condescending to his creation. God wants to be worshipped. The word God means object of worship. And it's God trying to condition his people so he can get from them what he created them from. Far. He never made you to be something else besides the son and daughter of God. If you have missed that of being a son and daughter of God, you've missed the mark. And miss the word S-I-N means to miss the mark. Miss the mark. Then if I'm shooting at a target, driving a tack at 50 yards, and I shoot, take my gun down and shoot, and I miss it four or five inches, what's happened? My gun needs tuning up. There's something wrong. And if I miss faith in God, if I miss being a Christian, God put you here to be a Christian. If you're off to one side, come back and get tuned up. Amen. And there's only one thing that can tune you up. That's the Scripture. Amen. The Holy Spirit in the Scripture tune you. Bring you directly on to the target again. That's right. Now, we are going to study His Word. Stephen said in Acts 7... And also in, let's just read that. Talking about now, we're talking about a tabernacle of God. Now, Stephen said, it's going to be a living tabernacle of the living God. Stephen said in Acts the seventh chapter, and I'll believe we, in Acts 7, beginning about the 44th verse, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he has appointed speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers had, our fathers that come in after brought in Jesus unto the possession of the Gentiles, who God drove out before the face of our fathers unto the day of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. High be it, the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Now, in the uh, tabernacle, it's, of course, a place where we go to rest. Now, get freshness and so forth, like resting from sleep or so forth. Now, Hebrews 10, and the fifth verse, Paul brings it in. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice, that's Christ, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. What is the tabernacle now? A body. God tabernacling in a body. God wants up high 
When he come down on the mountain, even if a, a bullock or cow touched the mountain, he must be killed. God's holy. Last evening, when those angels covered their faces, holy seraphim with holy faces, don't even know what sin means. And they have to cover their face in the presence of God. Cover their feet in humility. Now, holy God could not condone sin. So nothing could touch the mountain where God was. Then God was made flesh and dwelt among us in the form of Jesus Christ, His Son, His creation. Then that Son gave His life and the blood cell of God was broken that the life might come out of the blood to us. Through that blood we are cleansed, and now our blood, our life, which came by living through sexual desire, brought our life in the world. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, changes our nature by sending upon us the Holy Spirit. Then we become into the divine nature of God. Then we become a dwelling place for God. Jesus said at that day, you know, that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, I and you and you in me. Amen. Know how that God is in His church. The church is now supposed to be taking the place of Christ, carrying on His ministry. He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. Yet you shall see me, for I will be with you even in you to the end of the world. There it is. Carrying on his work. Now, God, or the Bible said here that Stephen spoke of Solomon building a temple. And the Most High don't dwell in temples made with hands. For heaven's my throne, and earth is my footstool. And where is the place of my rest? But a body has thou prepared me. Amen. A body has thou prepared me. God dwells in the statue of a man, reflecting himself into that being. Perfect worship. God in us being his tabernacle. God manifesting. Oh, how we could stay on that until uh, you'd almost suffocate in here from heat. Notice that God has always, at all times, reflected Himself in man. That was God in Moses. Look at Him. Born to a leader. Christ. In the time he was born, there was a persecution of children trying to find him. Same it was with Christ. And he was, um, he was delivered in that time. So was Christ. He was a lawgiver. So was Christ. Moses went up 40 days and got the commandments and come down. Christ went in the wilderness 40 days and come back, saying, You've heard of them of old time. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, whosoever looketh upon a woman and lust after her has committed adultery with her already. See? All these different things that God reflecting Himself. Look at Joseph, born the spiritual boy among a, a bunch of brethren. They were all good men, 
all them patriarchs. But when Joseph come, he was different. He could see vision, interpret dreams, and he was hated of his brethren because of that. Because of the very work that God had put him on earth to do, his brothers hated him for it. See? And it's all pointing to the cross. And look, he was sold for almost 30 pieces of silver by his brethren, thrown into a ditch to be dead by his brethren, was tucked up from that ditch and went and sat on the right hand of Pharaoh. And no man could come to Pharaoh who controlled the world that day. No one could come to Pharaoh only through Joseph. No man could come to God only through Christ. And when Joseph left the palace, before he left, there was a trumpet sounding, and runners run before him and holler, bow the knee, Joseph is coming. No matter where you was or what you were doing, how important your job was, you had to fall on your knees until Joseph got there. And when the trumpet sounds one of these days, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. When Christ our Joseph shall lead glory and come to you, your work won't be important then. Every knee shall bow and confess him to be the Son of God. Right. Oh, how we see him in David. How David, a rejected king, throwed off his own throne by his brethren, his own son, set up on the Mount of Olives as he went up top of the Mount of Olives, looked back over Jerusalem and cried. For there his own people, that he had served them and taught them of God. And his own people turned him off and throwed things at him. Spit on him and made fun when he started up the hill and was rejected. Oh, how perfect of the Son of God 800 years later. A rejected king among his own people sat on the mountain and wept over Jerusalem as a rejected king. What was it? God reflecting himself in those prophets, reflecting Christ. Then there came one which was the perfection of God. It was God among us. And since that time, He has reflected Himself in His church this side of Calvary. So see, we're all trying to get to this dwelling place, tabernacle of the living God. Now there's some people we notice here, he said, first, we have faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, goodness, or godliness, and brotherly love. All right. Brotherly kindness, and then add love. Let me read this all over again so you'd be sure to get it now. Now, we're going to start at the fifth verse. And besides this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity, which is love. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall either be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter's outlining something here for us, that how to get there. Now, I want to say this. 
that there are some people who have a portion of this virtue, knowledge, wisdom, patience, and so forth, that don't even profess to be Christians. Now, we just, we're teaching Sunday school, and that's true. There's some people have a portion of this that don't even pretend to be Christians. But that doesn't, that won't do it. It's like a blackbird trying to put peacock feathers in his wings <laughs> to make him a peacock. He only disgraces himself. He better stay a blackbird. <laughs> See? When he tries to exercise these things without being a Christian, he's just simply all out of place. It's like a sycamore tree trying to manufacture apples. <laughs> it couldn't do it. See, although it's a tree, but it can't manufacture apples. It's like a mule trying to manufacture wool, <laughs> trying to be a sheep when he's a wool. Oh, he's a mule. You see, uh, he can't manufacture wool. He can't do it. Wool is a gift to a sheep, not to a mule. He might try to act like a sheep, but he's still a mule. See? So you say, well, I can eat like a sheep, I can do this like a sheep, and no matter what you can do, you've got to be a sheep in order to have wool. And let me stop here a minute. The sheep doesn't manufacture wool. He has wool because he is a sheep. <laughs> a lot of people try to say, well, I'll try to get good, I'll try to do this. Don't manufacture nothing. No, you can't do it. A sheep doesn't isn't asked, isn't expected to manufacture wool. It bears wool. And it does it because it's a sheep. And when you're a Christian, you just bear the fruit of the Spirit. You don't, you don't manufacture it. You don't try to make it up. You try, don't make yourself something that you're not. You just become what you're supposed to be. And then it takes care of itself. Have you heard people say, Well, I tell you, I'm, I've joined church. I, I really ought to quit this line. <laughs> You're trying to manufacture something again now. You can't do it. There's no need of trying to. No more than a, a, a mule can make himself have wool. He can't do it. Or a vulture trying to eat with a dove. <laughs> a vulture trying, uh, trying to be a dove. Could you imagine a buzzard out there saying, You know what? I'm a dove. Put a few feathers in to see how I look like. See? He'd just be all out of shape. That's a, a man who professes to be something when he's not. See, you can't do it. You can't say, well, now look, I'm supposed to have virtue, so I'll have virtue. I'm supposed to live uh, godliness, so I'll just have it. Well, you're only trying to place feathers, though they're in your reach, but you can't put the feathers in the wrong bird. It just won't work. And it only shows what a hypocrite that bird is. See? Would you imagine an old buzzard trying to have a couple of dove feathers? Look here, see, I'm a dove. See? Well, we all know he's a buzzard. See? That's all. We can tell it he's a buzzard. Well, now, that's the way it is, trying to, to manufacture Christianity. You can't do it. The first thing you've got to do is be born again. You've got to be changed. See? And when you're changed, you become a new creation. Now you're getting right now. Now you don't have to worry about the feathers. It'll take care of itself when, when you're born again. 
Yes, sir. Like I've always said, you take a, a hog, scrub him up and put a tuxedo suit on him, or tuxedo suit, rather, on him and turn him out there, he'd go right to a mud hole in water. Because, you see, it wouldn't do any good. He's a hog. That's his nature. Water is his nature. You've got to change his nature. And here, the rest of it will take care of itself. Now, notice, you must be born again, that is, changed. There's got to be a change. You say, well, Brother Branham, I know this certain woman over here. Why, she never did do anything wrong. She's a good woman. Or this such and such a man, he's a good man. He never does anything. He only does to harm anybody. That doesn't mean one thing. He might make a good neighbor, but he isn't a Christian until he's born again. Jesus said, except the man be born again, St. John 3, that he can't even see the kingdom. Now, that means see means to understand. You look at anything and say, I just don't see it. You mean you don't understand it. A man can't understand why people shout. A man can't understand why a human being's language would change in his speaking tongue. The natural man can't see how a glory of God would come over a man's eyes and he'd see vision and tell a man of certain things and what to do. Tell him things that's fixing to happen, fix things that come to pass, like the Lord did for us here last night even. Yeah. See? The, the natural mind tries to figure out, well, what did he do? Or what kind of a hoax is he using? What gimmick has he got? To see a man speaking in tongues, they say, and somebody interpreting and tells this exactly to a certain member of the body what they've done and what they should not do. See? See, they think it's some kind of a hoax. There's something fixed up between them. They can't understand it until that man is born again. Then when he's born again, then he's in line of fellowship because he is a new creation. That old suspicious, doubting character he was is dead. Now he's a new creation. So you see, you don't have to add anything to his uh, now, because it'll automatically be added. Notice, you must be born again. And when you're born again, you can't be born again without having faith. Right. So you see on my chart here, I got the very foundation. Faith is the foundation of all of it. For without faith it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that He is and a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. He must be. And when you're a skeptic of the Bible, when you're a skeptic of the Word being right, you just might as well stay back until first you believe it. What is sin? Unbelief. There's only two elements that controls the human being. That's either doubt or faith. One or the other. You're possessed of one that dominates your life. Just depends on how much faith you have, how high you can rise. But first, it's got to be faith. Let me stay on that foundation for a while. Now, faith is what you must believe. Faith is what... Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's, you already have it when you have faith because it's revealed in faith. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11. The evidence. What, is it? what kind of an evidence? A holy evidence. Amen. Therefore, when you say, Brother Branham, I believe that God is a healer. Well, if you believe that and then accept Him as your healer, and not lying, but actually believing it by His stripes you are healed, there's nothing going to turn you from it. Amen. It's a settled thing. Now, you might have hope. Just keep dodging to this and dodging to that. But when you've got faith, you know it. Because it is the evidence. You've already got it. Hallelujah. I was... Uh, anybody ever hear Oral Roberts this morning, when he was preaching this morning, Oral Roberts? I, I heard him say something other about that there was a faith that, uh, of deliverance, praying the fa- prayer of faith of deliverance. He said, make your contacts by touching radio. Make your contacts by touching something. And in order, the man was doing that so that it would give the people something that they could put their hands on. Something to say, I got it now because he told me to touch my radio. I got it. See? Now, that's all right. But now, real, genuine faith doesn't have to touch none of that stuff. Now, I'm not condemning Brother Oral. Not at all. He's doing a great work and a godly man. And I, I sure think a lot of Oral Roberts too bad we got more of them. But what I'm trying to say that that faith doesn't need anything. Faith believes God's Word. For faith cometh by touching. No, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. That anchors it. there. See? And faith, as it said, has no distance to it. Faith is right now. Faith is here. Now, like if there's somebody, that little baby the other day, that mother, sister, kid, and them talked about that had that little baby with the bowels out, with no opening at the rectum to pass the food through. Now, this lady, hearing Sister Kid and them testify, believed that if she could get in contact, and I pray for that baby. Now, see, God gives us people. Some of us have experiences with God so so real that God becomes just like uh, going here like and talking to Brother Neville or somebody that you're acquainted with. And we sometimes ask those people to pray for us. That's what we're supposed to do. Then if we got faith that that man or woman or whoever's praying for us is talking to God, then our faith is gripped, it's pinched, it's settled. Here, the Roman went out to meet Jesus. And he said, I, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not worthy. And uh, I, I, didn't, uh, I don't count myself that way. But he uh, said, if my son is very sick, and you just speak the word. See? And my son will live. What was it? Distance made no difference. See? Because God is omnipresent. God is omnipotent. And everywhere God is, omnipotence is there. 
And God being omnipresent, that makes God everywhere. See? God's just as great in Germany, in Switzerland, and down in Africa, right this minute as He is right here. So, now, He said, I'm not worthy that you come to my roof. Just speak the word. What was it? Is that Romans' faith? He believed it. And Jesus said, go your way. Your son lives. And he took out two days' journey. And the next day before he got home, he met some of his servants coming. And they said, thy son liveth. And the Roman was so thrilled until he said, what time of day did he start getting better? What part of the day? He said about the eleventh hour, he began to amend, and the Roman knew that it was the very time that Jesus said, thy son liveth, and he had believed. Amen. Omnipotent. Omnipresent, omnipotent, infinite. That's God. So when they make a phone call and say, pray, that contact, and your faith brings God. It's the thing that brings the prayer and God together on the scene. Prayer, faith changes from here to here. It brings it together. Speak the word. All I want you to do is say the word. And everything's all right. You didn't have to be there. Just say the word. Why? God is omnipresent. He's all powerful. He's just as powerful as beneath the world. He's on top of the world or on either side. He's God. And the only thing you have to do is just speak the word, he said. And now faith does the rest of it. Amen. Faith does the rest. So you must have faith for a foundation. All Christianity, all you are, all you'll ever be is based upon faith in the Word. That's the reason I believe the Word. I can't put my faith on nothing else. If I still put it on the church, which church would have put it on? Catholic? Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostals, where would I put it on? I don't know. They all scruple up everything else. Twist lines and everything else. But when I put my faith in His Word, Amen. it's anchored. Amen. Nobody interpreted it. Here it is. Thus saith the Lord. Then I believe that. There's a basis. A fine little doctor down here in the city, a buddy of mine. Dr. Sam Adair, we've been boys together. You all know Sam. And he said to me, he said, Bill, after that vision come, told him where he built his place, how it would look. Now go in and ask him sometime if that isn't true. Two or three years before it happened, told him where it'd be. I said, you'll almost take that city block. You know, there ain't but one thing between him and that, and that's that uh, rehabilitation place. Yeah. Dr. Adair's got the rest of it in the apothecary. That's all. Dr. Dare feel that just exactly that vision were a place that he said it can't even be touched for 25 years. It's in court. I said, Doctor, the Lord gives it to you. Because of your humility. He said, I'm no good. I said, you're a turtle. 
You got a shell on the outside, a crust that you look at your friends out here, but inside you're a real guy. Come out of that shell. I said, God give it to you. He said, I've never doubted you, Billy, but I have to doubt that. I said, Go on to the office. And so he went on out. Next morning he called me up and said, I'm freezing to death. I said, What's the matter? It's around July. I said, What's the matter? Doc said, I've already bought the place, Billy. They had a meeting last night in Boston, and I've already bought the place this morning. So I told you. I was down there the other day talking to him when the gun exploded in my face. He said, I imagine I've told that to a thousand people coming here like that. What is it? Now, when God speaks anything, it's got to happen. Last evening, some friends come in. They'd heard that vision told about the caribou that had 42-inch horns. And the silver-tipped grizzly bear. I don't know how many people has come at the house wants to see that. I said, here's the tape measure. Get on the horns. You heard it told before it happened. See? Why? When God says anything, it's got to happen. That's the reason it's based. Now, here's the plan of salvation. And then if his visions happen perfectly exactly the way they say they do, and this church here knows that's right, then what about his word? That's more sure than the vision. If the vision didn't speak with the Word, then the vision's wrong. But it's the Word first because the Word is God. So He's omnipresent. He spoke that here and made it come to pass in Canada. Amen. See? He is omnipresent. All right. First, you must be born again, and then when you're born again, you have faith, you believe the Word. Until you're born again, you're arguing against it. If you're just uh, religiously inclined and, and you've got a, a, a little human knowledge that you should do right, you'll never be able to agree upon the Word of God. You'll never You've got to be born again, and born again, it produces faith. All right. Then after you get faith, this right here, F-A-I-T-H, faith, then... You're just in position of growing. Then you're just in position of growing. Now, a lot of people go up the altar and pray and say, Lord, forgive me. And a great experience of sanctification come up on them and things. And you have a great time get up the altar shouting. You go back and say, bless God, I got it. No, you just started to a place where you can grow. You ain't done nothing yet. See, the only thing you've done is just laid the foundation. Now you're going to build a house. And you pour the foundation and say, boy, I got her. <laughs> See? You've got the foundation to build your house on. Now you've got to build a house. Now that's where the thing comes in this morning we're going to talk about now. All right. A house, this foundation is first. What is the foundation of Christianity? Faith in the Word of God. That's your foundation. Then you begin to grow. Then you start. You begin to add to this foundation. Now, building a house, you put your uprights and everything else. Brother Woods and some of these carpenters and contractors here well, could tell us how you build your house. See? But I'm going to tell you how to build your spiritual house. Amen. Where God could dwell. He wants to dwell in you. He wants to make you like Himself. He wants you to be reflected. Reflecting, rather, His being. You know, in the old time when they used to make gold before they had the smelter to burn it out, they used to beat the gold out, beat the sludge out, the iron and copper and stuff out, 
and just keep building it, beating it, and turn it over and beating it. The Indians do that now. Beating gold. And they beat it. You know how they could tell all the iron was out of it and all the dirt and stuff and the dross was out of it? When the one that was beaten could see his own reflection like a mirror in it. It was clean and clear enough till it reflected the beater. That's the way God does. He takes the gold that he has found in the earth and he beats it by the Holy Spirit, turn it over and over and over and beating it until he receives, he can see his reflection. And that's what we're supposed to do, reflect the Son of God. And now we're supposed to do his work. He said, He that believeth on me, St. John 14, 7, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. You're beginning to reflect the works of Christ. But so many of us try to do the works of Christ before the reflection of Christ is in us. Now, there's the trouble. We find those things happening. You know it. I know it. We see these stumbles along the road. We find the scrap heaps of ministers, of Christians, piled along the road. It's because they didn't go into it right. And that's why I'm here this morning, is to try to teach this little church and myself how that we can become the dwelling place of the living God. I may like to be that. The dwelling place of the living God. Now, here's what we do. What's the first thing? Have faith and be born again. That's laying the foundation. Then, after we lay the foundation, secondly, you add to your foundation. Add to your faith, Peter said here. Add to your... First you have faith, then you add virtue to your faith. This is the next column. First, pour your foundation, faith. Then to your faith, add virtue. Now, right there knocks a lot of us down. <laughs> yes, sir? Yes, add virtue to your faith. That doesn't just mean living a virgin life, you know, like a woman or a man and so forth. That doesn't have nothing to do with that. The Bible said, we read over here in the book of Luke, where it said, uh, virtue went out of him. Is that right? If we're going to be like him, we must have virtue then. We must have it to be like him. If the first song that I ever loved in, in the hymns, one of the greatest, was to be like Jesus. Well, if I'm going to be like Jesus, I've got to have virtue and a past that it can pass forward from me to the people. Because virtue went out of him to the people. Virtue. And before you can let it out, you've got to have it first. <laughs> You haven't got it, it won't come out. There's nothing for it to come out of. What if someone tried to draw virtue out of us and the check would return insufficient funds? <laughs> no, no, none there to draw from. Check bounced. Somebody looking at you as a Christian at a MRC out here carrying on like a sinner. Not much virtue can be drawn from that. See? Right. Virtue must be in us. And until we get virtue, 
Then when we get true virtue, we can add it to our faith. That's the next foundation wall. Now, first you must have faith. Faith alone won't do it. You've got, Peter said, then add virtue to your faith. You must have virtue in order to add it to your faith. Now, then um, it might be the reason you don't have it, because many churches of the day teach you don't have to have it, or the days of its past. <laughs> they don't have to have it. Only thing you have to do is just join church. Yeah, days is past. Virtue. Anyone knows what the word virtue means? See? And we must have it. If virtue went from him to heal the woman that was sick, he is expecting the same virtue in his church because he was our example. And if he had virtue to give to the people, he expects us to have virtue to give to the people. And what is virtue? Virtue is strength, power. Some of them don't even believe in power of God. They say that, that that's past. Only thing you have to do is just put your name on the book. Be sprinkled or poured or baptized or whatever more, and that's all you have to do. But Peter said here, add virtue. Amen. Now, Peter's talking about building the house of God. Amen. See? The temple of God. Fixing it to a place. And if you have virtue, you must have, if you have faith, you must have virtue with it. That's right. Have virtue for the whole world. I preached a sermon about 20 years ago, I guess, on Reverend Mr. Lilly. Lilly, the pastor. Talking from the text of where Jesus said, Consider the lilies, how they neither toil or spin. Yet I say to you in Solomon, all of his glory is not arrayed like one. Look at the lily. It comes from way down in the muck. And every minute of the day, it has to be drawing from the earth. See? And what does it do with this virtue that it draws? It gives it out. It makes a beautiful sight for the admirer. It opens up itself for honey. For the bee to come and get his part. Don't complain. It's just God's to give out. Well, if the bee come in there, insufficient funds. <laughs> no honey. That little bee will scratch his head and say, what kind of a lily is that? <laughs> but man coming along trying to find salvation, go to the church to please the days of miracles is past. Like Jack Cole once said, going into a restaurant and have a great big menu. Begin to read it down, T-bone, steaks and things, I'll take a T-bone. Well, uh, that was for a day past. <laughs> we don't have it. <laughs> Might as well lay the menu down and get out. <laughs> hey? That's right. Because you ain't got nothing to eat anyhow. <laughs> so you might as well go where a restaurant's got something to eat. And the spiritual man growing needs something to eat on. That's the Word of God. I believe every word of it. God has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites His chosen people come and dine. With His manna He does feed. He supplies our every need. Oh, it's sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. Yes, sir. He's got it. The church 
has it. The church of the living God is built up into this perfect man of the knowledge of Christ. Now, now he must have virtue. I said then, the first thing you know, there's somebody loves to smell the odor. He ain't selfish. He's got odor. Before he can give out odor, he has to have it. Before he can give out honey, he has to have it. Before he can give out beauty, he has to have it. Before he can give out virtue, you have to have it. So add to your faith virtue. Amen. Understand? We can stay on that a long time, but our time will get away from us. Adding virtue to your faith. Now, first is faith, then virtue, and then thirdly, you add knowledge. Knowledge. Now, that don't mean worldly knowledge, because that's foolishness to God. But knowledge to judge. Judge what? Right from wrong. How do you judge it then if you've got Christian knowledge with your virtue and faith? You judge whether the word is right or wrong. If you can lay aside all your creeds and all your unbelief, everything that you claim you have done, then you have knowledge to believe that God cannot lie. Let every man's word be a lie, but mine be true. Now you're getting knowledge. (laughs) That's supreme knowledge. (laughs) You don't have to have four degrees in some college or something like that to have it. (laughs) Because all these virtues are given to you by God to place upon the foundation of your faith that you might come to the full statue of a real living man of God. Yes, sir. Add knowledge because knowledge of his word. You must believe it in this way, such as you should believe today that the, accepted that the days of miracles is not past. Knowledge that what God says, God's able to perform. Amen. Abraham believed that. And when he was a hundred years old, he staggered not the promise of God through unbelief. Look how ridiculous that word looked. Here's a man a hundred years old looking for a baby to be born into his home by a woman 90 years old. See? Almost 50 years of past barren, lived with her since she was a, a young girl or teenage, and here he is, his life stream was dead, and Sarah's womb was dead, and all hopes is gone as far as it was hopes, but yet against hope he believed in hope because he had knowledge that God was able to keep everything that he promised. Now, when you got it like that, then add that to your faith. <laughs> when you got true virtue, add it to your faith. When you can walk out here on the street, live like a Christian, act like a Christian, be a Christian, add that to your faith. When you have knowledge, you say, well, I don't know now whether this scripture is just right. Now, here's Acts 2.38. I don't know how to go about it with it. Acts uh, 28.19. I don't, all right, don't, no, I don't add nothing because you ain't got it yet. See, what are you going to do? Because you haven't got knowledge enough to know of God yet that the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Leave it alone. Don't say no more about it. See, leave it alone. But when you can see that the Scripture is not contradictory, that you can say that and can see that by the revelation of God, the whole Word is wrote in mysteries and only the knowledge of God can reveal it. 
Then when you get and say, punctuate every word of God with an amen, then add that to your faith. Amen. Oh, you're going to be a pretty good man right now, see? You're coming up. See? What with? With faith, then with virtue, then knowledge. See us building this man? You can see there's no, no way of escaping it. This is the way to become a, a full statue of Christ. Uh, yes, sir. To judge. Judge right. Judge whether it's right or wrong to believe God's Word. Judge whether it's right or wrong whether I should serve a creed or serve God. Judge whether it's right or wrong I should be born again or join a church. Then you begin. Judge right when the preacher says the days of miracles is past. The Bible said Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. Amen. Amen. Now, what you going to believe? When you say, I'll take God. Now, you don't say that just to say, well, I, I'll take it just from your heart, but something in you, your faith pushes out there. Your faith says, I know he's the same. Amen. I'll witness him the same. There's nothing to take it away from him. I know he's real. Man, add that to your faith. Lay it down on the foundation. Coming up now. Coming right on up towards your kingdom. Got to this spot now. All right. Now, next thing, the preacher will tell you, and many people say, the, these things that you read in the Bible, they were for another day. Now, I'll tell you why. Because we don't need those things today. We don't need it. See, we, should, we don't have to practice those things. Divine healing. We don't practice speaking with tongues in the church to, to keep our church straight. And we don't uh, do this. We'll get to that. i got a scripture wrote down over here about that. See, whether we should do it yet or not. Now, but here he said, I don't know. We shouldn't do that today. Only thing I should think we should do, we should learn to speak properly before the crowd. We should go and let a psychiatrist test our mind to see if we're able to be able to present ourselves if our IQs high enough to do it and, and so forth like that. I think if we hold the greatest congregations, we build our organization. We're not building an organization. Amen. I'm not here this morning to build an organization. Christ never sent me to build an organization. Christ sent me to build individuals to the statue of Jesus Christ. As they might be the powerhouse. By His Word. By His Word. Build up the individual to that place. Not build an organization to a greater denomination. But build the individual to yes. sons and daughters of God. Yes. That's the idea. See, add to your faith virtue. To your virtue, add knowledge. Oh, now you're coming to a place. Now when they begin to say, well, we don't have to accept that today. You do have to. It must be. The Scriptures cannot lie. And there are no private interpretation, the Bible says. You just believe it the way it's written there. See, you've got to have these things. And the only way you'll ever be able to have them is have heaven-born knowledge. And heaven-born knowledge will vindicate the Word. See, you've got to believe. Not make-believe it. None of these are make-believe. See, if you try to say, I got it, don't be a blackbird putting peacock feathers in yourself. Because they'll fall right out. They're not naturally grown in there. They're just stuck in. I think where David said there, Psalms 1, He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. 
You know, there's a difference being planted and being set out. <laughs> set out. Like the old oak tree has been planted. That weaves down and gets a good hold. A little old stick is sticking in there. You don't know what's going to happen to it. It has no roots. It has no foundation. See? That's like some people coming from a seminary or something. You see? Don't have that. Well, Dr. So-and-so ordained me in the ministry. Don't make it what that was. Christ formed you into it. By your faith. You're regenerated and born into it. And then if you're born into it, these are the things that he expects you to add. Just keep adding them. Now we're going right down the line. Um, now, there'll be another thing on this knowledge we might speak of. Godly knowledge. See? Uh, uh, has the Bible in this day lost its meanings? Uh, see, they, a lot of people tell you that. That the Bible doesn't exactly mean that. If God watches over me and corrects me in my sin, and if I am a son of God, He does that. He does you that way. Sons of anything wrong, he questioned. Then if God is so particular about you that he watches over you and crushes you, how much more has he his word? Which is your example. Which is himself. In the beginning was the word, and the word is with God, and the word was God and made flesh and The word is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says so. Christ being revealed in His Word. And if He's watched over you when you transgress these laws, He condemns you for it. How much more has He watched over His law that condemns you? Don't tell me that stuff. I believe in genuine Holy Ghost knowledge. Holy Ghost knowledge will always punctuate the Word with Amen. That's right. When you get these things that seem to contradict themselves in the Bible, you sit down and study it and prayerfully like that, and the first thing you know, the Holy Spirit begins to move in. That's why you see it ties together. And you got it. That's knowledge. Some of them say, well, now, the Bible said that He's the same yesterday and forever. And the church says, in a certain sense, He is the same. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You done broke the gap right there, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir, He is the same. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no difference in Him at all. He lives in His church doing the same thing. A little while, as I quoted a while ago, a little while, and the world seeth me no more, yet ye shall see me. For He said, I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Again, He said, the works that I do shall you do also. Again, he said, I will be the vine. You will be the branches. And the branch only lives by the life of the vine. Whatever's in the vine comes out to the branch. Glory. And Christ is saying, that's Forever it produces the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Knowledge, not worldly. It reasons. Any kind of worldly knowledge reasons. See, but faith has no reasoning. God reveals to you that certain, certain things are going to happen. Every scientist in the world could say it's contrary. They could not happen. You believe it anyhow. Yeah, that's right. Hmm? That's right. Yes, sir. It does reason. The Bible said we cast down reasons. Right. You don't reason with faith. Faith has no reason. Faith knows where it's at. Faith acts. That's right. 
Faith holds on. Glory. It can't move. Nothing can move it. That's right. I don't care whatever says this cell, that doesn't move a bit. It stays right there. That's right. Wait, 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 wait. Don't make any difference. It stays right there. God told Noah these things are going to happen. He believed it. God told Moses these things are going to happen. He believed it. God told the disciples certain things are going to happen. Go up there at Pentecost and wait. They stayed right there. And yes, sir. All right. Now, knowledge. Now, not worldly knowledge, but it's heavenly knowledge. And heavenly knowledge, when God is the fountain of all knowledge, and God is the Word, then if you've got heavenly knowledge, you believe the Word. And you reason anything by the Word. Uh, this tax case that the church has been in, or I have been in, one of the men one time in a little hearing told me, said, I said, they couldn't find nothing wrong. And so it began to, I said, well then, if there's nothing wrong, won't you get off my back? Yeah. <laughs> you know what they had to tell me about some scriptures? He said, Grizzly fellow with a cigarette in his hand, he said, Mr. Branham, I am a Bible student. I said, I'm glad to hear that. He said, now I want to know what this superstition you charge for these handkerchiefs you sent out, that little superstition of praying over the handkerchiefs and sent them out, them anointed claws, you call them, claws. He said, then you charge for those. I said, no, sir, there's no charge to it. And he said, well, on this superstition, I said, you call it a superstition, sir. You told me a few minutes ago you were a Bible student. He said, I am. I said, quote to me Acts 19, 11. <laughs> Knowledge. <laughs> He trapped his own self right into it. Try to change the subject. I said, then quote to me, John 5, 14. Couldn't do it. I said, then James 5, 14. He couldn't do it. I said, do you know John 3, 16. <laughs> hey, knowledge, smart, world. But when he, he said, but Mr. Branham, you're trying to try this case by a Bible. We're tied by the laws of the land. I said, sir, isn't the laws of the land based upon the Bible? Then it's justice. Amen. Sure. Knowledge. Not worldly. Spiritual knowledge. Of the Word, knowing what God said. Do what God said. That's right. Then if you got that, you can believe all these things, that He's the same in all these things. The Word says it's true. You punctuate everyone with an Amen. All right. Add that to your faith. That's all right. Yes. If, there, if somebody tries to tell you that the Bible has lost its power, there is no such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Ah, uh, don't add that. It won't work. It'll fall off. Huh. Like putting uh, clay on a rock. It won't stand up. It'll crumble. Then people tell you the Bible can't be trusted today. You be careful now. Don't you go believe it. You can't be tr- You've heard that all the time. Little saying, you can't trust the Bible. Well, if, if you've got that in your mind, you don't, don't try to add it because it won't work. The whole building will fall down right there. She's got to be martyred by the Holy Spirit. I mean, stuck together, the martyr that seals it. And the same thing, it seals it. You know the way a balkanized tube always lasts longer than just an old stuck-on patch. A little heat gets stuck on an old patch on a tire. The first thing you know, get that tire a little bit hot, run a little fast, and it'll melt off. Right. Yes, sir. See, and that's what's about a lot of people today. They try to stick their knowledge on a worldly knowledge with a little old earthly glue. And when the trials come, well, maybe I was wrong. 
See, there go you're deflated in a few minutes. All your shouting and jumping up and down didn't be any good. The people sees you right back in the same puddle again. Okay? That's right. But if you stay there with enough heat of the Holy Ghost so it makes you and the tube one. <laughs> That's it. You and the tube becomes one. When you stay there till you and every promise of God becomes one, then add that to your faith. You don't, don't add it at all. You say the word can't be trusted. Don't try to add that. You say the promises in here of the baptism of the Holy Ghost was only meant for the twelve apostles like some churches say today. Don't try to add that. That's where their foundation is all crumbled up. Like Uzziah was last night when he seen the foundation of this man that he trusted in all crumbled up, smitten with leprosy. It was no good. Now, just for the twelve apostles, only the twelve apostles, down to Brother Wright, I think they're back there somewhere one night, and there's a minister down there, I, I was speaking, four or five preachers together. This preacher raised up and said, Now I want to tell you, dear people, something. Oh, I think you're a fine people. I said, I told somebody, I said, that's, that's one sitting right there, one. So Junie Jackson back there just got through speaking. And he said, speaking on the grace of God. Oh, my, he's burning up waiting. He got up there and he's trying to say, Now, I want to say that Mr. Branham here, I'll tell you, is an antichrist. And he started off like that. All night, some of the preachers started out. I said, Wait a minute. Now, don't say nothing, brother. There's only one of him and a bunch of us. I said, Just let him alone. Now, he picked on me. I wanted it myself so bad I didn't know what to do. So, uh, he said, Mr. Branham is an antichrist. And he went ahead saying everything you know about. He said, He said, a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Said the Bible said there was only twelve got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Talking about divine healing. Only the twelve apostles had divine healing. He said, We speak where the Bible speaks and silent where the Bible silent. I waited till it rattled off there for about a half hour and I said, Wait just a minute. I wrote down so many here. I said, I, Give me a chance to answer some. And when I got up, I said, The sir, he said that he spoke where the Bible spoke. His church did a silent where it was silent. You all are witnesses. Yes. I said, now he said there was only 12 received the Holy Ghost. My Bible said there was 120 the first shot. Amen. So that kind of knowledge out, you see, that he was trying. Now I said, then I guess Paul didn't receive the Holy Ghost when he said he did. <laughs> I sat down and when Philip went out and preached to the Samaritans that had been baptized in the name of Jesus, only the Holy Ghost hadn't come on them. And they sent and got Peter and John to come down and lay hands on them and the Holy Ghost come on them. I guess that's only the twelve. I said in Acts ten forty nine, when Peter was on the housetop and had saw the vision, they're going up to Cornelius says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them and heard the word. I said, The Bible's still speaking, where's your church? <laughs> it's back in the would be. <laughs> I said divine healing. You said only the twelve apostles had divine healing. The Bible said that Stephen went down to Samaria and cast out devils and healed the sick, and there was great joy in the city, and he wasn't one of the twelve. He wasn't an apostle. He was a deacon. <laughs> Amen. I said that Paul wasn't one of the twelve that was in the upper room, and he had the gift of healing. I said, just look at the gifts of healing. And plumb on, 30 years later, he was still in Corinthians ordaining the gift of yeah. healing into the body. Right. Oh, 
Now uh, that kind of knowledge that you learn out of some book, you better throw it out in the garbage can. Yeah. When God said He's the same yesterday and forever, say Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Not to the twelve is for all. When you get that kind of a, a faith, when your faith punctuates it every bit with an amen, then you say, all right, add that to it. Fourthly, we'll have to hurry because I'm just, it just feels so good to stand here and talk about it. Yeah. Fourthly, thank you. Add temperance. Oh, my. We've come to temperance. Now you've had faith first. You have to have that to begin with. Then you add virtue to your faith, if it's the right kind of virtue. Then you add knowledge, if it's the right kind of knowledge. Now you're going to add temperance. <laughs> temperance doesn't mean stop drinking alcohol here either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> temperance doesn't mean alcoholic cure. Not in this case. This is Bible temperance. Holy Spirit temperance. That's just one of the lusts of the flesh. But we're talking about Holy Spirit temperance. That means how to control your tongue. <laughs> not be a tattler. How to control your temper, not fly off every time anybody speaks across to you. Oh my, Lord, a lot of us are going to fall off before we get started, aren't we? <laughs> and we wonder why God's not in His church doing miracles and things that He used to do. Yes, sir. Add these things. Add tempers to it. Oh. Tempers, how to answer in kindness when wrath is spoke to you. Somebody say, you bunch of holy rollers down there, don't jump out and roll up your sleeves now. See? Not that, but talk with godly love. Tempers, kindness. Is that the way you want to be? When you're riled upon, rile not back. Let him be your example. When they said, If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread, he could have done it. Right. I'm sure he was right. God. Amen. But he had temperance. Right. When they called him Beelzebub, he said, I'll forgive you for it. <laughs> Is that right? They pulled handfuls of beard out of his face and spit in his face and said, Come out off the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. When he had the gifts, he knowed all things, for in him was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. They'd seen him perform miracles by telling people what was wrong with him and so forth like that. They put a rag around his head like that, around his eyes, and hit him on the head with a stick and said, Prophesy! Tell us who hits you, we believe you. See? He had temperance. Now, if you got it like that, add it to your faith. <laughs> if you still blow up and sass and fuss and stew and carry on, uh-uh. <laughs> You ain't got no order. You can't add that because it won't add. See, it won't vulcanize. You couldn't take a piece of rubber, you know, and vulcanize it to a piece of iron. <laughs> it just won't work, you know. It's got to be flexible, just like the rubber is, see. And when your faith and your temperance becomes the same kind of Holy Ghost temperance that he had, then it'll vulcanize with him. You're added to it. When your virtue is like his virtue, then it'll add to it. When your knowledge is like his knowledge, I come to do thy will, O God. With the Father's word, he defeated every devil. Heavens and earth will pass away, but the word will not. See, when you got that kind of knowledge, it'll balkanize with your faith. When you got the right kind of temperance, like he had, it'll balkanize. If you haven't, just a man made halfway soused up belief or temperance, 
Oh, I ought to slap him down. But maybe I better not, because he might put my name in the paper about it. That ain't the kind of temperance he's talking about. Don't try to add that. It won't work. But when you can really, with the sweetness from your heart, forgive every man. Hold your peace. Let it be gone, see? Then it'll balkanize. You can add that to your faith. No wonder the church is so short, isn't that right? No wonder. I say, repent and be baptized, the Bible said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And the strict Trinitarian who don't believe that, say, that old Antichrist, he's a Jesus name, he's a Jesus only. Look out, boy. I don't know about your temperance right now. Won't you come say, let's reason this together, Brother Bram. I'd like to hear this explained. See? Then come down and listen to it, and then it's put right before you, and then you walk away. Well, we'll get to that just in a few minutes. In Godliness. See? But when you, when you fly loose, Want to jump at every conclusion? Uh-uh, that's, that's not it. See? You haven't got Bible temperance yet when you do that. How to answer back? Then, if you got all this, you can add this to your faith. Then, after that, fourthly, you want to add patience to your faith. If you got faith, it worketh patience, the Bible says. So this is patience. Now, that's the next thing that's going to build this statue. You know, God's got real material in His building. <laughs> See how short we are, brother? See where we're at? Yes, sir. See, we have glory, we have shouts, and this is because we've got faith. But when we come down to these things here, God can't build us into that statue. See? He, can't, he can't make us up to that kind of a place. We've got all these other things, we fall and slide off with it. See? We can't build His church. Patience with what? What kind of patience? First thing is have patience with God. If you've got real genuine faith, you'll have real genuine patience. Because faith works with patience. When God says anything, you believe it. you got patience. Well, I asked him last night to heal me, and I'm just as sick this morning. <laughs> what patience? God told Abraham, and 25 years later, there wasn't even one sign. He still believed it. He was patient with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put him always before you. Let him be the next crossing thing. You can't cross him, so just keep it before you. He said, so it's going to happen. See? Keep him before you. That's right. Noah had patience. Yeah. Noah had real godly patience. God said, I'm going to destroy this world with rain. And Noah preached 120 years. <laughs> Plenty of patience. Not even when dew fell from heaven. It wasn't nothing. This is dust as it ever was. For 120 years, but he was patient. Then God tries your patience. That's right. God tries them. Actually, he told Noah, and I said, Noah, uh, I want you to go ahead and get an ark. Uh, I'm going to run the animals in there, and I, I want you to get in and climb way upstairs now so you can look out the top window. Now, I want you to get in there, and I want you to tell these people, tomorrow what I've been preaching for 120 years is going to take place. All right, so go down there and tell them. What was the first time Noah got in the ark? Wasn't no rain. Noah got ready and got the raincoat on and everything so he could look out once in a while. Got ready, but the next day I mean, my told his family and his daughter-in-laws and all them said, Oh my, tomorrow you're going to see something you ain't never seen because all over the sky is going to be black and thunder and lightning is going to take place. God's big sword's going to zip through the skies. He's going to condemn these bunch of sinners that's turned us down for this 120 years. You just watch and see. See, some of the halfway believers are going to hang around and don't ever come in, you know. So they'll, 
They come up and said, well, the old man might have been right, so we'll go up and wait a few days or wait a few hours in the morning to see. Next day, instead of a black cloud, here comes the sun coming up just like it always is. Noah looked out said, hey, you ain't no clown. That guy come up and said, ah, I know just one of them. You see, you're hanging around up here. Well, uh, pardon me, sir. <laughs> Maybe I, I, I just, you know, just a bit too, you know, kind of. <laughs> but Noah, he had patience, said, if it didn't come today, he'll be here tomorrow. That's right. Why? God said so. When did he tell you that, Noah? 120 years ago. <laughs> I've come this far, so I'm just waiting here now. Yeah, after a while we find God come this far waiting for the church, too. But he'll be there, don't you worry. He promised it. Waited all this time for a resurrection. He'll be one, don't worry. God promised it. Just wait patiently. You fall asleep, though. Well, you might take a little nap before it happens, but you'll wake up at that time. He promised it. What we call a nap of death, you know. What we call death, just a little nap. or sleeping in Christ. No such thing as dying in Christ. Life and death don't exist together. We take a nap. <laughs> A nap that our friends can't call us from. He's the only one who can call. He'll call and I'll answer him, said Job. <laughs> Job's been sleeping now for 4,000 years. Don't worry. He'll wake up. He's still waiting. Noah waited. The fourth day passed. No rain. It's all right. I hear Miss Noah come out and say, Dad, are you sh-? Don't talk like that. He had patience. Because he had faith. Yes, sir. He had virtue. He had knowledge that God was right. He had temperance. He didn't fly loose. Well, I don't know what it's all about. I've lost all my popularity out there. <laughs> no, no. People don't care for me no more. I'll go out there and start all over new again. No, no. He had patience. God promised. God will do it. Amen. God will do it. Amen. Oh, God said so. I see his son come out and say, Dad, you know, I stroke his hand over his long gray hair, you know, and hundreds of years old, you know, sitting there. said, I know you're an old patriarch. I, I love you, Daddy, but could, could it have been possible that you could have been a little bit wrong? Oh, no. <laughs> no, why? God said so. Well, Daddy, this is six days. And we set up here. Setting up here in this big old dry ark. Sitting right here. And it's all pitched inside and out. And we've been all these years building on. You stood out there preaching. You turned gray and bald and... Here you are up here now trying to say such and such a thing. And the people are laughing and throwing rotten tomatoes and things against the side of it. Look at what you're doing. Why do you don't... Be patient, son. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> we all rain. Thank you, Lord. His daughter-in-law said, oh, Father, you know... I... We will rain. Thank you, Lord. But we've been uh, all these years waiting. We've been prepared. And you told us it's going to rain a week ago. And we're in here and the doors are all shut. And here we are walking around in here and the sun's just scorching right down like it was. But it will rain. Thank you, Lord. How you know? God said so. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now when you get that way, <laughs> add it. <laughs> but if you ain't got it that way, don't, don't try to add it. It won't work. It won't work on healing. It won't work on nothing else. Okay? It's got to blend in with the same material it's balkanized to. Right. Got to add it. Patience is God's promise. Yes, sir. Noah believed it. And he had patience with God 120 years. Moses, he had patience with God. Yes, sir. And Moses, 
I've heard the cry of my people. I've seen their affliction. I'm coming down to deliver them. I'm going to send you down. And the little contrast there between him and God, and God showed him his glory, he said, here I go. When he once seen the glory of God, you see, he had faith. Say, what's that in your hand, Moses? He said, a stick. He said, throw it down. It turned into a serpent. He said, oh, my. He started to take it up, Moses. If I'm able to turn it to a snake, I can turn it back again. Ah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If God can give me a natural life, He can give me a spiritual life. Thank you, Lord. If God can give me the first birth, He can give me the second birth. Amen. Amen. God can heal this by divine healing. He can raise it up again to His glory in the last day. I throw this stick down and turn it to a serpent. I can turn it back to a stick. Take it up on the tail. Moses reached down and got it. There was a stick. Glory. Even good to add knowledge there. <laughs> What's the matter your hand? No, Moses. Nothing. Put it in your bosom. All right. What about white with leprosy? Oh, Lord. Look at my hand. Put it back in your bosom, Moses. Put it back like it turned out. like... Yes, sir. He got down there in the first contrast. He got down there. Come out there and said, The Lord God said, Let my people go. Pharaoh, I want you to know this. I've come as a representative of God. You must obey me. Pharaoh said, Obey? <laughs> Do you know who I am? I'm Pharaoh. Obey you? A slave? Say, you'll obey me or perish. You'll do the one you want to. <laughs> wow. He knew what he was talking about. Right. He had a commission. He was down there. He talked to God. He had faith. He knew where he was at. You want me to obey you? Get out of here. I'll show you. Show me a sign. He threw a stick down. Turned into a serpent. Why, he said, that cheap magician trick. Come here, man. Come here, Jambies. Throw your sticks down. They throw them down and they turn into the serpent. But now you cheap thing come down here to me, an Egyptian, a pharaoh of Egypt, and you come down here some of your cheap magician tricks. Ha! Some of your hopes, you know, mind reading, you know what I mean. <laughs> I hope you're reading about it. Mental telepathy or something, you see. Yeah, come down here some of that. Said, well, we can do the same thing you do. What was Moses? He just said, oh, Mr. Pharaoh, I I'm sorry, sir. I'll be your slave. And Moses stood still. Amen. Right. Amen. Stay right there. God said, just no doubt in his heart, hold your peace. I'll show you something. <laughs> when you've done exactly what he said to you, it seems like it went wrong. Stand still. Be patient. Moses said, you know, when I laid on that foundation, there was patience laid on there. So I'll just wait and see what God will do. There the old serpents was crawling around, blowing, hissing at one another. First thing you know, Moses the serpent gallop, 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 and gobbled the ball down. <laughs> he had patience. <laughs> they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. Is that right? Yeah. They'll run and not be weary, walk and not faint. See? Just wait on the Lord. Have patience. Hmm? Yes, sir. Then Israel was going to be taken out. The great contrasts came and Moses waited. Then he got into the wilderness. It's only about three or four days' journey. It's only 40 miles. 
From where you cross that, right across where you crossed again. But Moses in the wilderness waited 40 years. Patient. That's right. He waited 40 years. Oh, yes, sir. And we should have patience with one another, too. See? One time we get, we get so much impatient with one another. Uh, we think we got to be like Moses. Moses had patience with the people. Look, it's, that's what caused them not to go over. See, if you're trying to do something, well, I, I'll try to get this message over to the tabernacle. To see that each member of the tabernacle becomes this. It's hard to do. I've tried to have patience this is 33 years. <laughs> have patience. Women still bob their hair. But it's have patience. It's have patience. Wait. <laughs> After if you ain't got it, don't try to build on this down here. Have patience. Even one time when that rebellion bunch of people had such impatience, they caused Moses to do something that was wrong. But yet, when it comes to a showdown, God got sick of their action. He said, separate yourself, Moses. I'll kill a whole bunch of them. He sold himself in the breach and said, God, don't do it. What? Patience with the people that were rebelling against him. I wonder if we could do that. If you can't, don't try to build on this. Because it, it don't change. You know. That's the way the first one is balkanized into this, and that's the way every one of them has to be balkanized. If you don't, you don't come to that statue of the dwelling place of the living God. You haven't got patience. Patience with one another. All right. The Hebrew children had patience. Sure they did. God had promised them, told them, don't you bow down to any image. But they had patience that our God is able. But nevertheless, we're not going to bow to your image. Patience. Knowing this, that God will raise him up in the last days. This life don't mean so much after all. See? God will raise it up again in the last days. But when it comes to bowing to an image, we won't do it. Now, we'll give Caesar what Caesar, but when it comes to Caesar interfering with God, God's first. God said, don't you bow to that image, and I won't do it. Our God's able to deliver us. If he don't, I'll not bow to the image. So, all right, there's a furnace. Well, they said, oh, I guess rain hard tonight and put it all out, but didn't do it. Still patient. Next morning when he was brought up before the courts, uh, there sat the Nebuchadnezzar. He said, All right, boys, are you ready to remember me as your king? Certainly. Live forever, O king. Now I bow down to my image. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you're going to burn up. You're a wise man. You're smart. You've been a great help to us. You've been a blessing to our kingdom. Can't you understand? I don't want to do this, but I, I've made a proclamation here, and it's got to be done. I don't want to throw you in there. Oh, Man, what's the matter with you? I know that sounds all right, but our God's able to deliver us. But nevertheless, had patience. Start walking up the ramp. One look to the other. All right. All right. We got patient. Went one step. God wasn't there. Two steps. He wasn't there. Three steps. Four steps. Five steps. Just kept on going. Still he wasn't there. And he stepped right off into the fire furnace. They had patience, but he was there. Just enough fire hit him to burn the latches off their hands and feet. And then when he hit the bottom of the pit, he was there. See? They had patience. Daniel the same way. Daniel had patience. Sure. He wasn't going to give up. No, sir. What did he do? He opened them windows and prayed anyhow. It was a requirement of God. He had patience. He waited on God, knowing God was able to keep his word. They threw him in the lion's den. said, we'll let the lions eat you up. He said, that's all right. He had patience. Why? Well, I've waited all this time on God. If I have to wait a few more thousand years, I'll raise up in the last day. So, got patience. Wait. 
Paul had patience. Certainly did. Look what Paul had to do. Talk about patience. How about the Pentecostal people? As long as they got the commission, wait until. Wait until you're endued with power. How long? They never question how long will it be. They just got the answer. Wait until. They went up there and said, all right, boys, maybe it's 15 minutes now. The Holy Spirit's going to be on us and we're going to have our ministry. 15 minutes passed. Nobody. One day passed. No. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Some of them I said, hey, don't you think we already got it? No, no, no. That's right. You better come on out, boys. The devil said, you, you, you know, you've already got what you want. Go on and start your ministry. No, no. <laughs> we ain't got it yet. <laughs> because he said, there will come a, what will take place in the last days with stammering lips and other tongues while I speak to this people. And this is the rest that I said. See, Isaiah 28, 19. Said, this, is, this is it. You, you'll get it when... Well, we'll know when it comes. We'll know when it comes. We'll know it's promised to the Father. And there he waited nine days and then on the tenth day. He was there. They had patience to wait. Now, if you've got that kind of patience after God gives you a promise and you see it in the Bible, it's mine. Then wait. Then if you've got that kind of patience, add it to your faith. See how high you're getting now? You're getting way up here now. All right. The clock hand's getting way around here. All right. All right. Add this to your faith. Always putting in before you, remembering it was He that promised. Wasn't me promised? Was the pastor promised? Our brother Neville. It wasn't some other minister promised. It wasn't some priest or pope. It wasn't no man of the earth. It was God made the promise. And God's able to keep everything He promised. All right. If you got that kind of faith to know that God promised it, say, Brother Branham, I'm sick. I need healing awful bad. Accept it. It's a gift given to you. Yes, sir. If thou canst believe. Well, you say, I do believe them. That's all. It's all over. See? Have patience. If you got patience, if you're not, you're crumbling off of this building. It'll knock all the rest of it down, that one thing. You've got to have that. Don't add it because it'll wreck your building. If you haven't got patience, if you haven't got virtue to add to your faith that you say you've got, and if you haven't got any faith to try to put virtue on it, it'll break your faith down. Amen. So you say, well, now, wait a minute. Maybe this is all a mistake anyhow. Maybe God isn't God. Maybe there is no God. See, it'll break the thing right in two. See? But if you've got genuine faith, that puts genuine virtue to it. Then genuine knowledge, then genuine tempers, then genuine patience. See? You're moving right on up the line. All right. Fifthly, add godliness. Oh, my. Godliness to be added. What does godliness mean? I looked in four or five dictionaries and couldn't even find what it meant. Finally, I was down at Brother Jeffrey's there. We found it in a, in a dictionary. Godliness means to be like God. Oh, my. As you got faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, then be like God. You say, I can't do that, Brother Bram. Oh, yes, you can. Let me just read you a few scriptures here just a minute. Matthew 5, 48. We'll take this and see what it sounds like. Matthew 5, 48. And see if you're supposed to be like God. You know, the Bible says you are God. Jesus said so. Why? All the virtue, all the things that's in God's in you. Matthew 5, 48. Be ye, Jesus speaking in the Beatitude, be ye therefore, P-E-R-F-E-C-T. What's that? Perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. 
You're got way up here now before you have to do that. All these things have to be added first. Then when you get up here, he's asking now to be perfect. God in Sons and daughters of God. Right. How many things I could say along that line? Let's turn to Ephesians 4 and find out over here what in the book of Ephesians it says about this thing too. About how we should, uh, how we should do Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and begin with the twelfth verse. Ephesians 4 and begin with the twelfth verse. All right. Let's begin up here at the eleventh verse. And he gave some apostles. That's right. And some Prophets. Remember last night, don't try to take the other man's office. And some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers, for the perfecting of God. Does it read like that? The perfecting of what? Who are the saints? The sanctified ones. (laughs) Amen. One starting down here. Perfecting of the saints for the working of the ministry. The ministry of Jesus Christ. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. For the edifying. Building it up. Edifying. Until till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into the perfect man. Unto the assurance, oh my, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Perfect. Take godliness. You have to add to your faith godliness. See, you start off down here with virtue. Then you go to knowledge. Then you go to temperance. Then you go to patience. Now you're on godliness. Godliness. Oh, my. Our time's getting away. But you know what godliness meant. You sang a song, To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like Him. All through life's journey from earth to glory, I only ask to be like Him. That's God in it. When He was smiled on one side of the face, He turned the other. When He was spoken rough to you, you didn't speak, you didn't rile back. God me. Always looking for one thing. I always do that which pleases the Father. Yes, sir. Always. That's God in it. See, as it does come from here to here to here to here to here to here. Now, you're coming into the full statue now of a Son of God, but you've got to have this plus all this. And you can't even start until you get this. I remember the blackbird with peacock feathers. Don't forget him. See? Don't try to add it till you're actually born again. Of course, you, it won't work. It, you can't make it work. It'll come to this or this area. It'll crumble somewhere. But when you get down here with a genuine born-again dove, then you don't add nothing. It adds to you. Comes on up. All right. Coming into perfection now. All right. Then sixthly, let's add, the Bible said you're adding brotherly love, brotherly kindness. Now, that's a good one. Right there, the sixth All right. Adding brotherly kindness. All right. When we get to that, brotherly kindness... Put yourself in his place on the matter. Now, you say, my brother sinned against me, said Peter. Shall I forgive him? He said, uh, uh, seven times a day. He said, seventy times seven. Brotherly kindness. 
Now, you see, if the brother's all out of tune, don't be impatient with him. See? No. See? Be kind to him. Go anyhow. Somebody said not long ago, said, how can you believe these things what you do and still go to the assemblies of God and the oneness all the rest of them? Well, Hoping someday, see, patience with you, temperance, enduring with you, knowledge to understand what he believes and remember it's in his heart. That's what it is. Virtue in yourself to let it go out with kindness, speaking to him, having faith that someday God will bring him in. Brotherly kindness, the seventh thing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. See? Seventh thing. Then, now you're coming. Next thing, then add charity, which is love. That's the capping stone. One of these days, in the church, uh, please let it be known on the tape and wherever more. I'm not teaching this as a doctrine, what I'm going to say now. But I just want to show you that by the help of God, what it really is, that the first Bible that God ever wrote was the zodiac in the sky. It starts off with the virgin. It ends up with Leo the lion. And when I get into that sixth and seventh seal, you'll find out when that other seal was open, the zodiac mark of that place was cancer, the cross fish. And that's the cancer age we're living in now. Reveal. And the next thing the seal tore off, it revealed Leo the lion, the second coming of Christ. He comes the first to the virgin. He comes next to Leo the lion. Now, I'll bring this to the... Now, I don't know where we have time this morning. We'll do the best I can to show you that these steps are in the pyramids. Just exactly. The second Bible God wrote. Enoch wrote them and put them in the pyramids. And the third, God always is perfected in the third. Then He made Himself His Word. Now, remember, in the pyramid, I guess many soldiers and things is in Egypt, the pyramid hasn't got a cap on it. Never been. The, the stone is scrolled and everything else they've got. But still, if you have a dollar bill in your pocket, you'll look on the dollar bill and you'll find out that over in the right-hand side, it's got an eagle with the American flag. And it said the seal of the United States. On the other side, it's got the pyramid with a great big tapping stone and a made eye. It says on this side, the great seal. Well, if this is the great nation, why wouldn't this great seal be its own seal of the nation? God makes them testify no matter where they go. I was talking to a doctor one time, and he was just raking me over the coals about divine healing. Just standing on the street. He said, Mr. Branham, you only confuse people. He said, there's no healing only through medics. I had to turn around and look at his sign on the car, had that serpent on the pole. I said, you better take that sign off your car. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. your own sign testifies that God's a healer. A real doctor believes that. That's them quacks. <laughs> yes, the serpent on the pole. That's right. Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole and said, I'm the Lord that heals all your diseases. And they looked at that serpent for divine healing. Amen. And yet they testify against it. Yet their own side testifies against them. Yes, it does. Hallelujah. Here are our nation saying the things they are, making fun of these things, and their own money, their currency testifies. That the seal of the whole universe is God. Amen. See that eye standing up there above that on that dollar bill? 
That's the great seal. It never was put on top of the pyramid. They couldn't understand why. The capping stone was rejected, the head, Christ. But it will come someday. Amen. Now, in building the virtue, building this monument, building this statue, see it starts off with the foundation stone faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. Now what does it do? Then they're waiting for the headstone, which is love. For God is love, and He controls, and He is the strength of every one of these things. Yes, sir. Not in here. Right in here. You see, I got in between the, all this works in here, and here is little waves coming. What is that? The Holy Ghost coming down to Christ. Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is above all of this, right. welding this together, Amen. building a what? A perfect church Amen. for the capstone to cap What's it been done again? It's manifested through seven church agents and seven church messengers. It started back here. Where was the church first founded? Where was the Pentecostal church first founded? By St. Paul at Ephesus. Star of the Ephesian Church Age. Amen. Ephesus. The second church age was Smyrna, Virtue, Irene, right. the great man who held up the gospel of Paul. Next church age was Pergamos, who was the Mark, uh, Martin, was the great man who stayed Paul, Irene, Martin. Then it's Bacara, come Columbia. You remember Uranus going out right there? Yeah. Columbia. After Columbia, the dark age is coming there. Then comes stars, which means dead. Luther. Hallelujah! What then? What comes next? After stars, Luther. Then comes Philadelphia. Godliness. Wesley. Holiness. Just shall live a face that Luther. Sanctification to Wesley. Then come in brotherly. Highness to the Laodicea, and we believe the great message of the second appearing of Elijah in the last days shall sweep the land. Here you are, seven church ages, seven steps. God building His church is like one person into an individual, into Himself. The glory and power of God coming down through this, welding us together. Therefore, the Pentecostal people that set out the Luthers. Let out the Westlands and they doesn't know what they're talking about. You see, they lived in this part of the temple. That's the way some people can come up that high and drop off. But there's a genuine part of that keeps making that building. Come on. I will restore saith the Lord. You remember the, the bride tree. Hallelujah. You remember the sermon on the bride tree. They eat it down, but he pruned it. It got denominational branches. He pruned them off. They raised up another church, denominational branches. He pruned it off. But the heart of that tree kept growing. In the evening time, it shall be light. See? That's when comes Christ, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, comes down and sets himself at the head of the church. Then he will resurrect this church being his own body. And there's the body. And the way God is expecting us as an individual to grow the way he saw his church in to grow. Amen. Every church age, it becomes one big church. Amen. See? These fellows wasn't required what these fellows were. This was required what this was. 
Exactly. But he brought his church up the same way he brought his, his church up, the same way he brought his people up. Then Peter here says first, seven things. Faith. Virtue. See? Come up. Knowledge. Temperance. Patience. Godliness. Brotherly love. And brotherly kindness. And then the love of God. The Holy Ghost. Christ in the person of the Holy Ghost comes upon you in the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you've got all these virtues sealed in you. Then God lives in a tabernacle called the building, the living tabernacle of the living God's dwelling place. When a man possesses these kinds of things, then the Holy Ghost comes upon him. No matter, you might speak with tongues, you might impersonate any gift that God's got, you might do that, but until these virtues here go into you, you're still off the real true foundation of faith. But when these virtues grow in and you added that to that, then you are a living monument. You are a living, moving idol. But, you know, the, the heathens, they prostrate themselves before an idol, imaginary God, and in an imaginary ways, they believe that that imaginary God speaks back to them. That's heathenism. That's Romanism. They bow before all kinds of saints and everything else. They have Saint Cecilia, house God, and so many different things like that. They bow to that and actually believe that in an imaginary way. What a... What a type it is of the true living God. But when we, not in an imaginary way, but prostrate ourselves before a living God, a living virtue, a living knowledge, a living patience, a living godliness, a living power, coming from a living God makes a living man a living image. In the statue of God. What's he doing? The same things that Jesus did. Walking the same way he walked. Doing the same things he did because it's not an imaginary thing. There's a reality that's true. See what I mean? See how these virtues, these building materials, type in with the church messengers, with the church agents, now, one of these days, we're going to take each one of these words and study them out and show that it proves this. It all goes together. Sure. See? Oh, my. How wonderful that is. See? To see what it, what it does. Now, that is the house that God dwells in. Not a building with a big bell on top of it and a high steeple. See? But a body has thou prepared me. A body that God can dwell in. God can walk in. God can see in. God can talk in. God can work in. Amen. Amen. Living instrumentality of God. God walking on two feet in you. Amen. Glory. The footsteps of the righteous is order of God. God walking in you. For ye are written epistles. Read of all men. And if the life that's in Christ being you, you'll bear the life that Christ bore. Like I've always said, take the sap out of a peace tree, and if you could transfer it by a transfusion, 
into an apple tree, the apple tree would bear peaches. Sure. Certainly would. No matter what the branches look like, it's got apple tree sap in it. See, or whatever tree it is. See, take this life out of the apple tree, take it all out, and give it a, a sap transfusion, and drain from the peach tree over into the apple tree, what happens? It won't bear any more peaches. See? No, sir. It won't. If the peach tree life comes into the apple tree, brother, it won't bear any more apples. It'll bear peaches. See? Because it's got the life in it. Well, you take us. That's nothing but a wild gourd. Not him. And there's nothing to us. For we're all dead and sin and trespasses. We're all in these kind of conditions. And then we ourselves can prostrate ourselves. Give ourselves up. Until God takes this transfusion tube, the name of Jesus Christ, because there's not another name under heaven whereby man can be saved, and transfers the life of Christ into us, then we have this kind of faith, the faith that Christ had. And Christ's faith was not based in those Pharisees or Sadducees or in their popped kittles and pans and their washing. It was based on the Word of God. Amen. So much until Christ was the Word. The Word was made flesh. And then when we can get so transfused by His power that we die to our own thinking and our faith becomes a genuine faith. Hallelujah. Then the life of Christ is transfused into us. We become living creatures of God, a dwelling place where the Holy Spirit can send His radiant blessings down through there and we're in the statue of Christ. Jesus said, Is not it written, You condemn me, saying I'm the Son of God? Isn't it written that you're God? Don't your own law say that? Like Moses, like Elijah, like those prophets who live so close to God that God just transferred himself right into them. And they spoke not themselves, but God. Satan will thought what you should say because it's not you that speaks, it's the Father that dwelleth in you. He doeth the speaking. His words is not his own because his life he's dead. If you die, you take the blood out of a man, you embalm him. Trouble of his life, I've never got embalmed. <laughs> you take the blood out of the man, he's gone. Then the only thing you do is put another blood back in him. He's going to live again if you touch his blood out. And now we put the blood of Jesus Christ in. Amen. See? And that brings the faith of Jesus Christ, the virtue of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the temperance of Jesus Christ, the patience of Jesus Christ, the godliness of Jesus Christ, the brotherly kindness of Jesus Christ, and the love of God which is Jesus Christ. He's the head. That controls you. And your feet is the foundation. Faith. Amen. Controlled by the head. There you are. There is the perfect man of God. When he possesses these virtues. Then God, representing his church as a bride, a woman. God represents his church as a bride. And the way he brings each individual to being his son, to go in that bride, he also has brought the bride to these angels. So they bring this one complete church into this. My feet move. Why? Because my head says so. Now, it can't move like my hands because it's my feet. Luther can't do the things that we did, neither can the Methodists, because they were something else. 
See? The feet moves because the head says so. That's right. And the head never says now, feet, you become hands. Here you become eyes. See? But each age, God has placed these things into his church. Amen. And patterned it, but showed that each individual has these, possesses these qualities. And this being, when it's completed, is the church of God going to rapture, and this being incompleted is a servant of God in the church of God that's going in the rapture. Glory. See what I mean? There you are. That's the whole thing. Here come a man, Paul, laying the foundation. I read it, begin to pour this onto it, and next and pour this, and next and pour this, next and that, and that, and that, and on down until it comes to the last age. But what is it? The same Spirit. The same Spirit that dwells in me says, Hands, Reach after that case. The same spirit says, feet make a step. That's right. <laughs> See what I mean? Then the whole statue of your being is governed and controlled by these things, but it cannot be completely controlled till it completely possesses these qualities. Did you ever hear this? Now let me tell you this and keep. Real, put this on your listening ear. See? A chain is the strongest at its weakest link. That's right. It's no stronger than its weakest link. No matter how strong these are built up. This is built up. If it's got a weak link, there's what you bring. That's right. And it's no stronger than that weakest link. Now, if you possess, you say you got this, 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 you don't have this, that's what you bring. If you got this and haven't got that, she'll break right there. Right. You got this and haven't got that, it'll break. Right. This and haven't got this, it'll break. This and haven't got this, it'll break. Right. See? And if you can't have this without having this. So when you surrender your complete being, then the Holy Spirit just pours through you these virtues. Then you're a living tabernacle. Then people look out and say, that's a man full of virtues. Knowledge. leaves the word temperance, patience, godliness. Your brotherly kindness, full of the love of the Holy Ghost. See, there he's walking around. What is it? A statue that unbelievers can look at and say, there is a Christian. Amen. There is a man or woman who knows what they're talking about. You've never seen a kinder, sweeter, godlier person. You're sealed. A seal shows on both sides. Amen. Whether you're going or coming, you see the seal just the same. There you are, see? When a man or woman possesses this, then the capstone comes down and seals them into the kingdom of God, which is the Holy Ghost. Then the Word, coming from here, manifests itself through each one of these beings, see, and makes this complete being a tabernacle of the living God, a walking, living example of Christianity. What Christ was, these people are, because His life is in here, they are in Christ, and their life is dead and hidden in Christ through God and sealed in there by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you. First Corinthians 12. Amen. Right. See? You reckon yourself dead. Jesus. Then you're born of faith. Then you're a virtue. And these other things is added to you to your perfect living image of God. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. And then God through that has brought also seven church ages to show the seven steps that He's brought building His individual into his image. He's built a complete church in his image and at the resurrection this complete body will be raised up to live with him forever because it is a bride. See? So that cuts it every age. 
Every age has come. And there's more required. Remember, remember what Paul said over here in Hebrews 11? Let me just read you something before we close here just a minute. And then you, it kind of makes you feel kind of strange when I always when I read this. I'm going to get Hebrews 11, and I'm going to start the 32nd verse. What more? What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, of Bart, and Samson, Jebus, David, and Samuel of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promise, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong, waxed violent in flight, turned the uh, armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others went through torment, were tormented, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Way down in here. All right. And others had trials, cruel mocking, scourging, yea, moreover, bonds, imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed asunder, they were tempted, they were slammed with swords. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and tormented of whom the world is not worthy. See, in parentheses there, you know, it's in your Bible. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All these, having obtained a good report through faith, here, yeah. good report through faith, received not the promise. See, God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made present. You get it? These people who died in here are depending and waiting on us. So this church has got to come to perfection in order to bring the resurrection of the dead under souls under the altar waiting for this church to come to perfection. That when Christ does come and this church, you see, is coming smaller in the minority, it's a whole lot sharper than that, but it's like a right there across there, see? It's come up to a needle point until the church in a minority has got to get into a place until it's the same kind of a ministry that this left. Because when this headstone comes back, it's got a little pocket like here where it's going to set right in there on the regular pyramid. It just isn't a cap that sits across the top. It's a little flange. And it's got to sit on there because it sheds the water. And when it comes, this church has got to be homed. All these rest of stones in the pyramid are laid so perfect so you can't run a razor blade between them. Way tons laying in there. How they got them up, they don't know. But they were built. And up here when the pyramid cap does come, the pyramid itself, the body of Christ, will have to be honed. Not only just some creed or doctrine or something that we come to, it'll have to be so perfectly like Christ so when he comes, he and that ministry will sit like smack together. Thank the Lord. Then will come the rapture that's going on. Amen, Lord. Look where we're living now. Oh, my. And Lady Osea. Where the church was the worst church age they ever had. In the Bible, we find out it's the only church age that God was on the outside of the church knocking, trying to get back in his own building. The creeds and denominations that even put him out of his own church. Lo, I stand at the door and knock. If any man thirsts and will open the door, I'll come in and stuff with you. See? Here it is in this church. It's the graduate building out until you know they're completely ousted him. They don't want nothing to do with it. Now you see today where we're going. Even when the ending of the Lady of Sin Church Age 
has got so formal that it and Catholicism, which broke it up right in here, is coming together and united as one great church. With a federation of churches, it's the same as Catholicism. There's only one difference that they can just get over that. That's taking the communion. That's the only thing in the diocese that, that, that stops uh, uh, Catholicism and Protestantism from uniting, is the order of communion. The Catholic Church says it is the body, and the uh, Protestant Church says it represents the body. The Catholic makes a mass out of it. A mass is that they take the communion hoping they are forgiven. The Protestant takes it by faith, thanking God in communion that they are forgiven. The Protestant says we are forgiven. The Catholic says we're hoping we're forgiven. Mass and communion. They call it a mass. We call it a communion. A mass is hoping it's so. A communion is knowing it's so and thanking for it. See? And there's the only thing that they cannot get together on. They'll do it. Oh, it looks very pretty. It'll unite your run. It'll, it'll run all the... Well, the Bible said, And these beasts gave their power unto the whore. See? Yeah. United themselves together. Right. See? Just exactly what the Bible said they do. They're doing it now. It's right in procession this very week. Not as I have anything against Catholic people. No more than Protestant people. You Methodists and Baptists and a lot of you Pentecostals. When your churches has gone right into this federation of churches. When they got the big marg built there in New York of that federation of churches. It's the same as the United Nations and things. They're trying to unite all Protestantism together. Now, the Catholics are wise to that and go to bring this Pope John the 23rd or 22nd, whatever it is. He's trying in a low, humble way to bring all Protestant faith and Catholic faith to one faith. Exactly what the Bible said they would do. That's right. That's true. There you are. And the Protestants falling for it, hook, line, and sinker. Why? Why? Because they don't possess these things. That's right. Amen. Knowledge. The Word's right. Patience. They don't wait upon the Lord. See what I mean? Like that Methodist bishop said the other day, when they pass that, and anyone knows that, how, what inspired that, trying to get a certain prayer to be said in church or in school, and wanted to, I think it was a Presbyterian prayer book or something, and the parents sued the, the, the school because they wouldn't accept this prayer to be said in school. And this Methodist bishop was a wise old fellow. He stood up and said, that's wrong. That it's unconstitutional. He caught the breeze of it. He said, like in our Methodist church. He said, in our Methodist church. He said, many of our people always talk about the scandal of Hollywood and 95% of them go see it anyhow. That's right. What's the matter? They left off this. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. They left off that. I was talking right here in this room the other day to an uh, official of one of the biggest Methodist churches there is in Falls City, one of the most spiritual Methodist churches there is in the Falls City. Show Methodist age, which comes in next to our age there, the Pentecostal. And he said, in St. Louis, Missouri, they took an analysis about three or four months ago and find out that man may be sitting here this morning. Well, he's a contractor doing this uh, fix the building for us, Main Street Methodist, where he belongs to, where Brother Lum and them is pastor. So then we find out that in that, that I believe it was 70-some percent of the Methodist people in an analysis, a survey of St. Louis showed that 70-some odd percent of the Methodists smoked and 68 percent of them drank an alcohol, beverages, a Methodist. 
And the strange thing was, when it was analysis given or estimate between men and women, women it was 70-something percent to about 50 percent of the men. More women smoke and drink than there was men. 70 percent, 70-something percent more women than there was to the men. Now, what if we got down to Bible doctrine of wearing shorts and bobbing hair and stuff like that? What if God godliness, women professing godliness and holiness? Right. Card parties and everything else. Paddlers, blabbers, not having been able to hold their own tongue, own tongue, talking and paddling and going around. How about the man? Card parties, golf games out there, half dressed, little dirty looking clothes on them women hanging out there. No wonder. See that dirty scheme pulled on that preacher, prison preacher, this morning? Yes, sir. I don't believe that man's guilty of that. What did he do? As brother, um, I can't think of his. Yeah, Dan Gilbert, prison preacher. When that man run in and murdered Dan here a few months ago, and now his wife to have a baby. Of course, Dan's dead. They can't put a blood transfusion to the baby. Now she says that Dan Ravisher, and that's her. Ba- that's Dan's baby. Such a I don't believe that no more, and I believe that a that a, a crow has pigeon feathers. No, sir. I believe it's a lie. I believe Dan Gilbert was a man of God. And I believe that's a scheme of the devil. Like that thing trying to put over about them prayers. That old Methodist bishop was smart enough to catch that. If he would have that would have went through, that was only inspired by something else. That's right. Just like the segregation problem down in the South. Same thing. I believe men should be free. I believe this nation stands for freedom. Amen. I don't blame Mr. Kennedy for sending down a troop, although I'm not a, a New Dealer and I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm a Christian. So I'm, but I don't believe in that. I don't believe the colored people ought to sell their birthrights to such stuff either. It was the, the Republican Party, the blood of Abraham Lincoln freed them people because he was a godly man. I think they ought to at least stick to the party to go to vote at all. But I'll tell you one thing. That boy wasn't done in there just because at this school. That boy is a citizen. He's American. This is freedom for all. The color of a man shouldn't change his difference. We all, God said, of one man made all blood, all nations. We're all one. But that boy, he was a soldier. He's a veteran. He fought for what's right. He had a right to go to school. That's right. But he had plenty of schools he could go to. It's what the thing is, if you get behind it, it's this present-day denominational stuff up there that's inspiring that. Wow, they're swinging those colored votes from Republican to Democrat, and they're selling their birthrights by it. Exactly the truth. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit's out here. Let him that has wisdom. Let him that has knowledge. Exactly. Just like this church, this present age, selling itself. Can't you see what's going to happen? I don't care if this is tape. Here it comes. <laughs> what's the matter? My old mother used to say, give the devil his dues. There's one man that done anything was sensible. That was Castro down there. Yes, we went down there. The capitalists had all the cane and everything that is on a gold standard like the United States. What did he do? He bought up all those bonds. Get the money any way he could. What did he do then? He counterfeited the currency and changed it. Put them right back. That's the only thing this nation could do. Did you hear Lifeline the other morning? 
Well, you know, it's just like you sell bonds on the gold. The bonds is already tuck up. And this present government now is spending money for what? For tax money that they'll be collecting 40 years from now. She's done. That's lifeline right out of Washington, D.C. Across the nation. Taxes they're spending and trying to buy foreign... Well, they're just giving it out anyway. Don't you see? That's exactly what they're, what they're going to do. See? What is it? Now, if this nation goes busted, the only thing it can do is go busted. The only thing that it can do is go bankrupt. That's the only sensible thing to do. Change the currency. But they won't do it. Under this present administration, Roman Catholic Church owns the gold of the world. And what they'll do is sell out. These rich men and so forth are the others. The Bible said, what will they do before they lose a Brown and Williamson back of company? Most all of us Catholic, anyhow. And all these other things, what will they do? They'll accept that. And they'll take the money from Rome and then she's sold her very birthright. Rome back up. Yes, sir. She'll back it up. And they're getting enough policy now. Getting enough around them. Bring it in his cabinet. Look what Mr. Kennedy's asking for her. And when you seen this the other day, there's no need of voting anymore. What's the use of voting? When they put it in a paper and proved it before the public and they refused to do anything about it. When they proved that the machines across the nation were set up. That they elected Mr. Kennedy by a false vote. Don't the Bible say that he would come in by deceit? Yes, right, I believe it. That's right. That's right. I'm not against the Democrat Party no more than the Republican Party, but I'm just stating facts from the Bible. What's the use of voting? They know who's going in there. How many of you remember the telecast where it had two women stand up? One said, I'm going to vote for Mr. Protestant woman said, I'm going to vote for Mr. Kennedy. They said, why? said, because I think he's a smarter man than Mr. Nixon. He'll make a better president. Then he said, this is a Catholic woman. Who are you going to vote for? She said, I'm a Catholic, a Roman Catholic, a loyal Catholic. She said, and I'm going to vote for Mr. Nixon. Why? said, because I think Mr. Nixon is a, make a better president because he's more used to the things. He's more acquainted with communism. That woman told a lie. I've got the, what they call the facts of our faith, the highest Catholic book can be bought. And it says in there, if there is a Catholic on a ticket, that's running against the Protestant. If a Catholic votes for the Protestant, they are excommunicated from the fellowship of the Catholic Church. Right. And if there's two Catholics running for the same office, they shall pick out the Catholic as more loyal to the Mother Church and vote for them. See how that deceit? What they're trying to do? Give money away to buy. Why? They're trying to break it. And they're doing it. And she's broke. What is it? It's on the gold standard. And the Catholic Church, the hierarchy, owns the gold of the world. $168 billion. There you are. Throw right back on the gold standard. You people just keep your homes and think, but you belong to the Catholic Church. The nation belongs to the Catholic Church. The whole thing is captured right in like that through their currency. Don't the Bible speak of that? That's the picture that the Bible draws us? What I'm trying to say, brother, today, they'll say that'll make it a fine church. It'll unite Protestantism. It looks good to the natural eye. But the knowledge of this world is foolishness to God. And it pleased God to the 
the uh, foolishness of preaching to save those which are lost. Hallelujah. By a divine office that he ordained in his church to build a church upon these spiritual qualities and not upon anything that pertains to the earth. Peter said, and because you have escaped the corruption of the world through the lust of money and lust of big time and pleasure, the eating and drinking and lust that we have, you've escaped that and now you're built up into a I'm addressing that to the church, he said. There you are. Did you read it? Did you get it? Did you hear it when we read it back here? The second Peter? Just listen to what he says here. How beautiful that's wrote in here. How he addresses it. All right. Listen to him now as he speaks. All right. Peter, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Peace be in be uh, multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and through Jesus Christ our Lord, according as, as His divine power has given unto us all things. Who's going to inherit the earth and all things? Sure, pertaineth, yes. Yeah. All right. That pertaineth unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory unto glory, whereby... Are we given to the exceeding great precious promise that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption, listen to that, that is in the world through lust, lust for money, lust for big things, lust for popularity. These things are dead to the believer. We don't care a tenor college, why should I care? Never die, sink or drown. This is the thing that I'm interested in. The kingdom of God. Whether I maintain my home, whether I maintain my family, whether I maintain whatever it is, let me maintain Christ. The hope of glory. Fill me up, O Lord, into this. Let Christ be my head. Let working through me all my foundation and my faith that's in Him. Let virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, and brother kindness work in me. Oh, Lord, my prayer. I don't care. Live or die. Sink or drown. Denomination, no denomination. Friend or no friend. Let that work in me. Let Christ, virtue, his knowledge flow out that I might be able to teach those. For God has said in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists, all for the perfecting and bringing all these virtues into it to that perfection of the coming of the Son of God. Each one of these stones are material off of that one. This is material of this. Each one of these virtues belong into Him and they're poured out of Him down to Him. Amen. Twelve o'clock. Where does it all go? Amen. You love him? Amen. You believe that? Yes. Listen, little one. Sister Kid said this morning, Brother Bill, I don't know where I get to see you again. That like to kill me. See? She thinks she's getting old. She is. I prayed for God to spare her and Brother Kid a long time. Let me tell you, we don't know how long we're going to have one another. Yeah. That's true. I don't know how long I'm going to be with you. 
God may call me away from the world. He may call me to another field of service. He may call you somewhere. We don't know. But let's, let's obtain. Let's not let this just pass over us. Let's take that. Amen. There it is in the Bible. Here in his patterns, everything else, if I only had time to do it, you can't do it one day. You know that. That's right. But to tie the whole thing together. Looky, when we got through with that message there, you see what the Holy Ghost did down the wall, don't you? How many were sure then? Hmm? Yeah. Come right down and draw the same thing out there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's true. Amen. Don't let it escape you. Hold on to it, children. Hold on to that. Remember, build upon your faith virtue, knowledge, patience. Now, here's, I think I had a piece of paper here, if I haven't dropped it somewhere, when it was preaching. I hear this thing. If you want to, to look on it and see if there's something here that you might be able to, maybe it's a little better pattern than that is there, that you might be able to copy some of this off, I'll just back it up here and you can sure look at it and, and type it off. And I want you to take it and study it and compare it and then act upon it. Don't just study it, compare it, but act upon it. What do you do? Take it sincerely. To yourself. Don't say, well, I enjoyed listening at it. I did too. But to listen at it and then receiving it is different. See? See? It's different. See? There is seven qualifications to make the statue of God. There are seven church ages that God has brought the church to this qualification, and it has seven messengers to do it. There are seven, seven, seven. That's right. Amen. See? Seven is, is a God's number of completion, and three is God's perfect number. So there's three and seven threes. So mathematically, spiritually, by the Word, by the witness of the Holy Ghost, all of it has completed the thing together. Let's study it. Let's add to our faith these things then, that we might come in the full statue of Christ, being joined together with godly love, fear of God, reverence in our heart to one another, deep respect to one another, brotherly and sisterly kindness, never vulgarity, nothing but just the purity of Holy Ghost living. Live together. Be a Christian. Walk with faith. Let the virtue of God flow through you. Let the knowledge of God, when it comes to right and wrong, when the devil presents something that's not exactly scripture, walk away from it. I can imagine the apostles never acted like us. They went around, probably man, a few words till they got in the pulpit. They walked in and they'd done what they're supposed to do and walked out. Yes, sir. They had power. They had virtue. They had no arguments with man. They know where they stood. That's all they know who they believe. They kept on walking in the Spirit, doing only, just as I said the other night, one little nod. That's all God had to do. Then nothing was going to stop them. They didn't question and study and hum haw and weary like we do whether you should do this or that. They went ahead and done it anyhow. Just one little nod from God. That done it. Just as soon. Wow. How could they know it was a nod from God? They are all these virtues in here, all these qualifications. 
and the first little knot of God compared with every bit of this and with his word, they knew it was the word of God the way he went. They had to worry about nothing else. When God spoke, they went. We speak, God speaks to us, and we'll say, well, we'll start off. We'll see if we can live this life. First thing you know, somebody upsets you. Well, sure, that's the devil. Your Steve's trying to keep me away from this meeting this morning. Yeah. You ought to have that one time. Oh, boy. Oh, mercy, I have to fight every time I mention a meeting. And if I'm going to pray for a sick and somebody dying and not saved, there'll be 30 calls coming in 10 minutes if they get back to keep you from it. Oh, Brother Brandy got through this, but that's a soul state. Yeah. The other night I was called to a place. A young man. I talked to him down here in the, what's it called? supermarket a few years ago. He'd become an alcoholic. I know the boy, a good, fine boy, but he was a sinner. And so um, his mother called. I think she called Doc a couple times. And I called, uh, uh, called Billy, and, and finally I got the message. And when I got the message, honest to goodness, I never had so much fight in my life to get to that boy. And when I got there, the poor fellow was past knowing me. There was laying there, unconscious. And just a carrying on. His father trying to pat him and saying, Honey, and the man's 50, about 51 years old. And saying, Honey, this, uh, uh, lay still, and he's trying to get up his little arms not that big around. The boy had so much cancer until he wasn't as much solid cancer. All the organs of his body had cancer. Even his bloodstream was cancer. Everything. And there he was, trying to raise up and carrying on like that. I took him to the hand and said, Woodrow, Woodrow, this is Brother Branham. His daddy said, don't you know this is Brother Bill? Would roll this is Brother Bill? He said, ah, 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 like that. And his daddy looked and said, Billy, you come a little late. I said, never too late. Be sure. I've had a battle. And then the other boys, some more boys, sinners are standing there. Some of his relatives. I said, you see, boys, make ready, because you'll come to this place. You've got to come right down here, see. Maybe not with this cancer. You might come with something else out there on the highway bleeding to death. Or something. You got to come to him. We talked to him. I was waiting to see what the Spirit said do. Waiting. First thing I felt that little nod. Lay your hands on him. <laughs> I walked across all of you by your head. They all bowed their heads, two or three young fellows in there. I put my hands up on him and I said, Lord God, let the boy have a conscious of knowing what he's going to do before he has to meet this thing. He's dying. This devil has got him wound up and he's going. And he's drank himself to death. And here he is in this condition. I pray you be merciful to him. And when I prayed for him, the next morning he was sitting up talking to his daddy. Busty Rogers, who they called me down here at the hospital not long ago. I was out there that day after I preached down there in Middletown with little Georgie Carter with you. All of you remember it? And there when Brother Smith, the Methodist preacher, said, If anybody's ever baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, get out from under my tent. Like that. Up there, Totten Ford, holding that meeting. Up there, oh, condemn me for everything you think of. I never said a word. Went right on. I had a commission. The Lord showed me a vision. There was a lamb down there hooked somewhere in the wilderness. You all remember the vision, all of you. I guess you do. Do you remember it? Yes, sir. All right. Then I was going down through the wilderness there, hunting for it. I went to Totten Ford. Brother right there with those. We went over. Didn't know what to do. I bought a little soapbox for a dime. I was going to go out there, stand there and preach on the steps. He said he's going up top of the hill to do some trading. I went with him. There's a big old Baptist church set up there, empty. The Lord said to me, stop there. I said, let me out right here, Brother Wright. And I stopped. He went on up and come back. I went there and he couldn't open the door. I said, Lord, if you're in this and you want me to go into church, open the door for me. And I sat down there and was thinking. 
Here's somebody coming. Walked up and he said, How do you do? I said, He said, You want the church? I said, Yes, sir. He said, I got the keys here. <laughs> Started the meeting. First week, hardly nothing. First night, I had a congregation, Brother Wright and his family. First thing you know, at the end of the week, I couldn't even stand him in the yard hardly. Still, that lamb hadn't come up. Brother Hall got saved during that time, the pastor there now. Oh, but I couldn't find where this lamb was after a while. Uh, the Church of Christ down below the hill, that little girl, nine years and eight months, hadn't moved laying there. There she was. You all know the story. Yes, sir. That afternoon when Busty Rogers, great big husky veteran, standing there, I walked out there and there stood Brother Smith's congregation to laugh at me, make fun of him, to baptize him in the name of Jesus. I walked out into the muddy waters of Totten Ford where they had a up the creek there and this roaring as hard as good. A couple of deacons walked out with me. I said, I stand here this afternoon in representation of God's Holy Scripture. I said, I read in the Bible here where Peter said, Repent, every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for your mission of sins. I turned around and handed the book to one of the deacons. Walked out there and I said, Whosoever will that repents of his sins is the subject to come. Walked out there in the water. I said, It seems to me that angels are sitting in Everly and now watching. Oh, uh, by the time I baptized about two or three, his whole congregation, them women with fine silk dresses on, hitting that water screen and without their voice, I baptized his entire congregation. You know it. I got the picture of it. There, uh, what was it? Adding to your virtue. Let it alone. God knows how to do it. God knows how to bring these things to pass. Let them say what they want to. Don't make any difference. Just keep on going. Busty Rogers standing there. When he seen that, he said, Then I believe it with all my heart. And out into the water he come with his good clothes on and was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. About three or four years ago, he called me down here at the hospital in New Albany. There he was dying with cancer. Just eat him up. Doctors give him till the next morning to live. Said he's dying and I said, Come at once. I went down to the room. What I did to stand there and pray, he said, Billy... There is a rainbow circling that corner yonder. I turned to look. I said, Busty, it's a covenant. You are not going to die. The covenant of the blood saves you. I put my hands up and I said, Lord God, I that vision yonder that proves that you're here. Your covenant is that the by stripes we are healed. Laid hands upon him and there he got well. Thank you, Lord. He about four or five years, about four years fishing up and down the river and everything going on. And where the cancer had been around the esophagus of the stomach had calloused it. Is there a big hard knot? The doctors, the veterans of the hospital told him that they had a cobalt treatment that could stretch that, let more food go down at the time. He had a hard time getting much food. He had to eat the slow. He went over to get it done. I didn't know he was there. Then when he operated on him, found out it, threw him into a convulsion, and he had a stroke. Paralyzed his sides down like that. And the only thing he could do is just kind of halfway cry. And he got a pencil like that. He'd go, uh, 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 and he tried to write, shaking like that, this good hand. His left side stroked down. And he oh, his hand, Jesus saved 1900 and something. They couldn't get it. So now when his wife said, Brother Bram, I don't know what he means for that. I said, Mrs. Rogers, what he means, it was 1900 and something that he was saved and baptized in Jesus' name down there. That's what's paying off now. He's not afraid to die. I said, Lord God, spare his life. I pray that in Jesus' name that you'll spare his life. Laid hands up for him, the stroke left him. The and he raised up in the bed, he's up now giving testimony. Hallelujah. Add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. To your knowledge temperance. To your temperance patience. To your patience. Godliness, to your godliness, brotherly love, 
to your brother of the Holy Spirit, and Christ will come. Because right. just beneath him, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ into the church to manifest those virtues. Oh my, here it is, quarter after twelve. I Oh, 